So I've had on two occasions intelligence services tell me, John, you've got no idea what you're dealing with. Back yeah. Off, back off, you know. And I have to because I'll die. When was the point when you said, I need to be a whistleblower? We were shut down on big, big investigations in which one very, very senior cabinet minister was involved with young boys. So everyone's trying to shove it under the carpet. Yeah, yeah, police officers, these were judges, these were people for the BBC, you know. He said, John, you can't put this out. He said, this all destroys past, present and future. Gets out, you've got to understand you don't know what you're dealing with. You don't know how deep this goes. When you start talking about this, the newspaper get D notices served on them. Jimmy Savile had died, and for the first time, what was incredulous isn't it's the truth. The old Bill were out to destroy you, yeah. so this doesn't get out into the public domain. Yeah, yeah. And I've been more keep your toes on the line, but you don't cross it, John. You cross that line. We can't help you. Welcome to the Eventful Lives podcast. I'm your host, Dodge, and I'm the founder of Bournemouth Sevens, the world's largest sports and music festival. On this podcast, I speak to fascinating people who have all lived eventful lives. If you haven't already, do us a favour, press the follow button and check us out at Dodge Woodall on Instagram, TikTok and YouTube, where we've now had over 80 million views. John Wedger is an ex-police whistleblower that has helped expose both the rich elite and powerful figures amongst society. We discuss controversies surrounding Jimmy Savile, Jeffrey Epstein and Madeleine McCann. John also talks us through the pressures that come with projecting a negative spotlight onto people with power in the police force. This is the eventful life of Mr. John Wedger. John, welcome to the show, mate. Absolute pleasure. This, without a doubt, the best studio I've been in. <laughs> Thank you very Lovely, much. Lovely, very nice. Thank you very much. Um, I'm really intrigued about this conversation. I've seen right. you everywhere on the internet and I want to roll all the way back. Where did you grow up and how did you become ex-Scotland Yard copper? All right. Um, I'm originally from Paddington in uh, sort of just central London, just outside. Um, ended up moving away from there out into to the suburbs. Um, but then I ended up back in London. Um, uh, I. My my journey in uh, policing, because uh, I'm a retired Scotland Yard detective, um, I, I never wanted to be a copper. Mm. In fact, I didn't like them. Uh, and it was really odd because b- back in like the 80s, there was a lot of football violence. And you'd see on the TV, the crowds and all that. I'm not into, I, I like my fitness, but I'm not into anything organised. Mm. Organised sport, organised religion, Yeah, you know, organised, con- I couldn't go to a concert or anything like that. I couldn't stand that people venerating another human it's yeah. for me it screws me head up yeah. um but there are people i find are, are incredibly unbelievable human beings you know and I've, I've i've seen many in life you know but they just do good stuff you yeah. know so uh, i'm a bit of an oddball in that respect very much a loner um and everything else but i like humanity you know mm. and i do i like helping people mm. i've always been the same in your 25 years as a copper how many years were you a whistleblower for? Right, so policing back then you had to do two years. Mm. Two years on the beat. Everyone, they've changed it now, which is a shame. So everyone has to do two years on the beat, no matter what rank, whatever. They never had a graduate entry scheme then. So everyone starts off at the bottom, which I think is fantastic. Mm. So I, I got sent to South East London. I got sent to probably the roughest part of South East London. I was going to say, yeah. You know, what a place. I mean, that was it was a, it was a war zone. Well, South East London's got the most bank robbers 
Yeah, yeah. And naughty people yeah. in and, and, London. And they tell you it, you <laughs> yeah. know. Yeah. Uh, there, there's, an air, there's, a, there's this brilliant area in South Island called the, the Blue, mm. right, in Bermondsey, you know, just down from Jamaica Road. And they pride themselves in being thieves. And I can remember nicking this guy. He looked like Del Boy. He had a flat cap. All the bag thieves for central London come from the blue, yeah. you know. And he said to me, he said, I'm, I'm from the blue. And I went, all oh, right. And he said, uh, I'm a thief and I'm the best thief in South East London. I went, okay. He said, my dad, he was better than me. He said, my granddad, he was. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how they prided yeah. themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and even if you, if you went down there and play, and I never thought myself that I looked like a copper, they, they, they'd smell you yeah. a mile off. Yeah. And it was just this whole culture that was built around being you know venerate respected for being a thief yeah so yeah so i went there and that was and what must say it was very violent and there was there was an attitude was that whoever got there first got the first punch in yeah so either they punched you or you punched them and that's yeah. how it was and they never complained yeah so it was always a fair cop governor as they say yeah. and i can remember being in a pub after work massive drinking culture I've got to say that huge, huge mid mid nineties still. Yeah, early early nineties. This 90s, was early nineties, and uh, and this was it was crazy times, you know. How old were you roughly around this time? Twenty four. Okay. You know, uh, so um, being in the pub, and we had had this massive tear up with you know me and another fella um, with two guys, and it was what me and this, we were fighting like you was in a playground at school, mm. you know. He headbutted me, and I smashed him, and we were both covered in <laughs> blood, and you know, and it was. He went, Governor, I've had enough, I've had enough. <laughs> and he went, do me a favour, give me a salmon. And that was a fag, a salmon yeah, and trout, you yeah, know. Yeah, I, went, yeah. no, that's right. I didn't smoke back then, but I started smoking, you know. And and afterwards, they, they give you a pint, mm -hmm. you know. You meet me in the pub and they gave you a pint, yeah. you know. And uh, oh, there, there was one incident. And uh, there was this guy who was wanting, he was over the side, OTS from prison. And uh, I worked with a guy and he, he was Robocop. He knew everyone. He knew a whole lot, you know. Uh, who were the who's who of, of, of the South London, South East London villain. And we're going along, he said, that minicab, because they all went about minicabs yeah. back then. He said, there's so-and-so, he, he's done a runner from Belmarsh or somewhere, I don't know. Uh, he said, wanted, he said, he's out for, I deal with his mate, you deal with him. So I, I go up and I get him out and I said, uh, what's your name? He gave me another name, Moody name. And it, it always, always, just before I went in the, in the old bill, I was going through, about to start my training, and I never told my stepdad I was going to be a copper because he, he didn't like him. And he found out through my sister. Mm. He said, Are you, you're going to be a copper? And I went, yeah. Why didn't you tell me? I said, well, you don't like him. He said, it's not I don't like him. He said, I couldn't put up with their nonsense. Mm. He said, anyone mouthed off at me? He said, I'd hit him. And, and he said something to me. He said, um, I, I went, well, what would I do? Because he, he was built like a, a door. He was uh, six foot seven. He was huge, and he was just gristle and muscle, mm. you know? He lived outside, this man. I saw him chin a cow once. That's how hard he was. He chinned a cow, and uh, he was brilliant. And uh, uh, anyway, him and his, uh, his son still makes for me today. His son's seven foot. He's huge as well. And I said, "What? What would happen if I had to nick someone like you?" I said, oh, "Even grabbing his arm, and he's got a pint in his hand." He went, "Well, go on then. What, what would you do?" I said, "And I'm trying to yeah, bend, it, bend, yeah. bend it, and he's just drinking." Yeah, and then and I should have picked up, and he swapped put his pint in his left hand. He went, it's not what I'm going to do, it's what I'm not going to do. Yeah. I thought, well, that doesn't make any sense. And with that, he went bang, yeah. and he chinned me. And of course, I dopey, I got my tongue out, mm. yeah. and I've cut all my tongue, and I've fallen on the floor, covered in blood. He said, son, look, 
I, I, I never meant to eat you. He said, but listen, it'll save your life. Don't listen to all that. Yeah. As soon as they do that, he said, just smash them. Yeah. He said, them quiet ones, they're going to hurt you. Mm. So this guy, come out, he was quiet. I said, what's your name? He said, it's, it's different. And I went, are you sure? And he went, Governor, I'm telling you, I was bad in the day. Just check me out. Check this name out. Get your little book out and put it on your radio. And I went, oh, all right, yeah, some stupid idiot. And I'm writing this name down with that. He's just gone, bang, straight in my face. No. Boom. And I've gone down. And of course, his mates then punched my mate. And there's this fight. And we're rolling around the floor. Anyway, I did, I did him, right? Flipping out. And that's when he, he stops. And... and the cavalry get called to so do a thing called urgent assistance and when that gets called anyone Everyone piles in and anyone yeah. who's nearby they're yeah. getting smashed yeah. and that's that yeah, not like now where you see them get back yeah. back then man there was no CCTV yeah. they got smashed do yeah. what you want yeah, yeah yeah. and if anyone intervened officer what are you doing they got it as well yeah. it, was, it was it was like the wild west mm. it was mad what were you carrying back then as a copper a baton a that bat big okay. a bit of wood that yeah. big okay. and no one a baton it was a truncheon truncheon they yeah. went in your trousers yeah. and all I used mine for was breaking windows. Yeah. I hit a dog with it once, I think, and that was it. I, ne I never hit anyone with it, yeah. you know, and I never hit anyone back. My CS gas, I lost it. And what was the what was the rules back then as a copper? Oh, there were rules. I mean, you've got to go by rules, but what happened and what gets written down is two different things. Yeah, okay. Well, this guy, we take him back to the station and we had a fag. We get back in and a custody sergeant looks at me and I'm covered in blood. Mm. And it's it's what it, I've got my white shirt because it's mm. short sleeve order. It was a summer, so I had my shirt on. And he went, "What's happened to you?" And I went, "Well, we had a fight, but it's all all right because we were told in training you're going to get a smack. Just ignore it." Yeah. But this was a bit more. This yeah. was a fight, and uh, he went, "No, no, 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 no way. Not ignoring that." He said, "Go down, get a shower, get back up here uh, in five minutes." So I leave this guy there. I go and get a shower. When I come back. This bloke's been battered to pieces. Right. He's had his arm broke. He's had everything. Okay. And then I get a book, get thrown at me, evidence book, copy that. I'm like, what? And it, it, they've written evidence of what went on. And it was different to what happened. Maybe. So your bosses have written the evidence? Yeah, yeah the, the team did, yeah. The team yeah. wrote the evidence. Yeah, yeah. They're saying to you... Copy that. Copy exactly word for yeah, word. Yeah, Now, this is where I learn a lesson, right? So time goes forward. This guy goes away, right? Um... I'm not in any way saying I put lies in that book. Mm. You, you, you draw an inference from mm. whatever you want, you know. But uh, I'm in a, an all-night garage. There weren't many about them, but there was, there was one or two, and I'm buying a pint of milk because I'm, I'm seeing a girl who lives nearby. And this guy's just been released, oh, right, with his mates, and he's on one. Mm. And he sees me, and it's just me, him and his mates in this garage, and he pulls out a massive knife, and he just shoves oh, it straight man. in my throat like that. And they're going, what's going on? What's going on with his mates? He went, he's old Bill. And they went, stab him, jerk him, jerk him. And I'm sitting there and he looks at me. He, he can see I'm scared. Yeah. And he went, I ain't got to do that, have I, son? I went, no. He said, listen, I liked you. I thought the police had changed. He said, I'm old school. Yeah. He said, you fought like a gentleman and then you treat me like a gentleman. You shook my hand, you gave me a cigarette. And I told the truth and you lied. I said, look, I had no choice. I won't yeah. worm him out of anything. Yeah. And he said, I get that. He said, but I'm telling you now, don't ever, ever lie mm. in your evidence. Mm. I'm not saying I did, mm. I it, but, but I learned a lesson that mm. day, you know. But that's how it was. Yeah. It was it was wild. It was it was crazy. Um, I moved up to the West End. That was different. Yeah. You couldn't do that. 
but but in in Emirates, it would be the same in Birmingham, it would yeah. be the same in Liverpool, yeah. Glasgow. Yeah. That old school brutality. Yeah. You know, we had to win the streets, and we won them streets no matter what. I mean, I one guy, if you went to do a warrant, when they go in, the first thing he would do, whatever whoever the governor of the house was, they got headbutted. He'd go up. Bang, and that's how, that's how it went. We had a lot of ex-military guys. You know, we had tough guys, yeah. boxers, you know, rugby players, and all that. You know, um, I mean, I worked with for two years with an ex-special forces guy. Mm. My word, I mean, he'd fight ten men. Yeah, you know, he was tough un- boys. Oh man, yeah. he was something else. Yeah. He was an out and out machine. What was your What was your route through the old bill then? You did a couple of couple of years mm. on the streets. You're learning yeah. your trade. You're yeah. learning what's going on. Yeah. I guess you're learning. There's actually people telling porky pies in the old bill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and what was your next sort of sort of next well, ten well, years well, stint? Well, 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 what happened was I got in trouble very quickly. So my first year I was in a world of trouble, right? So I started going out with a girl whose dad was inside for attempted murder of a policeman, um, and a family were linked to criminality. So that got me in trouble. Did the old bill? Do your colleagues know that you were going out with? Yeah, yeah, the yeah, daughter yeah, of? yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. So. That um, mustn't, that couldn't have done you any favours, No, right? it didn't. It, it didn't, you know, and they were warning me, like, what are you doing now? Uh, the sergeant didn't like me for the start off. Yeah. And back then, that, it was bullying. Yeah. But I'm one of them people, you, you can't really bully me because I found it funny. Yeah. So whatever they did to me, it made me laugh. Yeah. Because my stepdad was so brutal, you know, you know, he'd... <laughs> It made me climb up trees, uh, you know, as a kid to do tree work with no harnesses, and he'd throw stones at me and things like that, and in the rain and stuff. It just—I found it funny. Yeah. So they would. This guy didn't want me in the police, so he would just bully me. And do you remember me. his name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, do, I can't. I can't. I won't disclose it because I'm going to tell you something. That happened <laughs> <in a> <laughs> I'll tell you a story that happened. Is um, he still a copper now? Um, no, no, no. He's long he's since gone. gone. Long since gone. But his nickname was Piggy. Okay. And uh, whenever he'd, he'd go on the radio, people used to squeal and pick go, wee, wee. <laughs> and he was hated. And years later, um, uh, one of the coppers rung me up because I'd moved. And they said, look, just to let you know, we went around Piggy's house the other day on a call. He said, we got called to his house. His own son had chinned him. He said, this bloke, because this, this guy lived out on the outskirts and my mate had been transferred to the outskirts. He couldn't, couldn't believe it. This call gets out domestic. Yeah. And he said, it's, it's, it's Piggy, right? And, he, and his son had decked him. Everyone loved that, didn't Yeah, they? and he said, I, I had to tell you. He said, the first thing I thought, I've got to tell John. <laughs> got to ring up, tell John. But this guy was absolutely horrible to me. And I was in, I was in, I was... <sighs> When you say horrible, was it like proper bullying every day just because he was higher than you? Yeah, yeah, they, they, yeah, because he could. So know? he could. He could tell you and what to do, yeah, how it was. Okay. Yeah, yeah. And um, they do things like you go to canteen, get your dinner, and they'd throw it on the floor, okay. you know, and, and t- drive along, get out of the car and walk. And uh, How did you work up to be getting into CID? Well, I went to the West End. Okay. Right? So I got Belgravia. Now, what had happened with Belgravia, and I didn't realise it, it was a newly built nick. Yeah. And it's in a, it's um, at the back of like these old squares that yeah. they've got, you know, and with a little garden area and there's all these flats around. Super expensive now. Uh, incredibly expensive. It, yeah. Back then, it, it was, it still had some rough old areas. Yeah. There were still some big estates there, but on the whole, there were some nice people yeah. and you couldn't behave there how you behaved. Yeah. You, you couldn't. And that took me a long time to, a lot of complaints. <laughs> Not one complaint in South East London. No, and there was some no. bad behaviour yeah. there. <laughs> The West End, the moment you look at someone yeah. the wrong way, that's it. You know? Yeah. I mean, I got a complaint for having my hands in my pockets. Right, okay. I was thinking, I had bite someone last week. <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm, you know, how does that work? Yeah. You know? And um, 
I t- some bloke threw a bull terrier at me over the front counter once, coming and threw a bull terrier, and he started attacking me. He landed on me and started biting me. Yeah, and uh, so I, I go, I go to to the West End, and there was uh, a big operation. It was it was called Operation Countryman, or, or um, anyway, there was there was this revamping of the police because they were classed as inherently corrupt. What, you, what roughly year we talking about? About ninety, late ninety five, ninety six. Okay. That area, right? And what they've done is they've done a massive roundup. The Home Secretary said, we can't have this police corruption. Yeah. So they started nicking um, and bailing a lot of the suspected officers for corruption. But they all come from what's called CIRCS, the South East Regional Crime Squad. Yeah. So the Regional Crime Squad, the Sweeney, the Flying Squad, yeah. uh, especially the Flying Squad out in Rig Approach in the East End. Yeah. Right? They've written books about these people. Yeah. And they chucked them all to, into Belgravia, Nick. So the CID of Belgravia was full of these hardcore 70s-style detectives. Mm. And these were hardcore. They, they were smoking. Yeah. There was no smoking. They were openly yeah. smoking in the Nick and everything. And and these are these tough guys, yeah. you know. These Some of these were real hard men. Yeah. I mean, there was one guy, um, they called him the Ginger Giant. And uh, uh, he's in a book on corruption. And he's a great big guy. And he used to chin villains. He would he would go one to one with them. He chinned. It was a DI. He chinned a DS once um, at an office do, and he hit him so hard that the guy's cheekbone went into his eye and blinded him. Mm. The bloke went to the floor and he went, "Leave him there. Anyone picks him up, that's trouble. Mm. Leave him there. He's a dog. Leave him on the street." This guy was blinded. Yeah. You know, nothing got you know. The guy had, had to get pensioned off, and so I end up going to the West End, and I was busy. It was a crazy place, yeah. and uh, and I did really well. Now my supervising inspector so this piggy had sent a fax through saying this kid is a liability you don't know what you've taken on so i get called into to my inspector who used to be an officer in the parachute regiment and he was he he, he got some sort of citation for his work in northern ireland he was a tough guy you know typical like moustache and a solid little lump mm. and he said look this is land on my desk i don't know your son he said but i'm telling you what you work hard for me I'll look after you. That mm. goes in the bin. You've got one month, one month. And and I respected him. Yeah. And I worked like a dog for this guy. So he come in and he's got this letter and he rips it up. Old school. It's lovely. I love all that old school. Yeah. He rips it up. He said, what are you doing in uniform? He said, oh, I'm going to get you in the CID. Oh. So a driving course had come up and he said, right, you're, you're next because your figures are highest figures, arrest figures. are. It's all based on how many people you nick. Is that what it's based on? Yeah. How um, many people you nick? Yeah, yeah, so if yeah. you're nicking 40 people a week, yeah. you're going up the ranks? Yeah, definitely. And, it, uh, you know... What That's not to, the same now, right? I don't know how it works now. Okay. But back then, you know, you, you wow. had to be what they call a thief taker and I was busy, you know? Yeah. And there's others, they used to call them Gurkhas because they took no prisoners. Yeah. So they were lazy yeah. and they couldn't nick themselves shaving was yeah. the other one, you know? <laughs> and there's a lot of people that hid away. But yeah. there was some, a lot of young coppers there. Brilliant social life. It's phenomenal, fantastic. Yeah. And I, it was great fun. Uh, but the CID opportunity came up. He said, don't take the driving course because you're stuck with uniform. Yeah. Get in the CID. So I went into the CID, into what they call a crime squad. And uh, the, uh, it was unbelievable. It was old school. This yeah. was proper old school. You know, these guys, you know, honestly, they, they, they've written books about these men. You know, and they were all in one house. They were yeah. all lumped together. And it turned out that the flats at the back of the neck, they had surveillance 24 hours. Every phone, <clears throat> every phone was monitored. 
swipe card access the only nick at the time to have swipe card access so they knew everyone who'd come in and come you know and these they were at it mm. this lot they were involved in drug dealing um all sorts of things what you know? the cid yeah 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 there was blokes there that were being looked at for for so the cannabis cid were serving up yeah you were on, on a big scale they were under investigation big... for it you know um there was the people linked into armed robberies all sorts wow. you know there was it wasn't so much there but there was um three detectives were going out on a weekend to to austria switzerland and somewhere else and doing armed robberies and some of them were taking ex getting day release getting villains out on day release and doing baggings with them wow and then of course the, the villain had a perfect alibi mm. you know well how could i was with the old mm. bill and it, they, they, there was serious criminality going on but these were tough guys, you know, but they had phenomenal tradecraft as well. You know, they, they knew how to investigate and they've lost that. Sadly, they've lost that. Yeah. But the corruption side, yeah, it, it was chaos. But you wouldn't see them. So you get crimes allocated to you and you could run with about five or six crimes. Well, give me give me an example of some crimes you could be allocated for. Uh, well, well, on a low level CID, it would be robbery, burglary, you get domestic violence, uh, ABH, GBH, yeah. and uh, attempted murders that start going on to more okay. specialist things. Uh, drug supply on a lower serving up, and then yeah. when it starts getting big, yeah. you, so they would have things like the serious organised crime unit. Yeah. They'd have the Turkish unit. You know, they, they started dealing with big, big yeah. villains. And, and as my career went on, of course, I ended up doing a lot with them. And then the National Crime Squad. Uh, would get involved and sometimes the intelligence services would get involved um, because we had a lot of uh, uh, Belgravia, a lot of politicians and things like that. So all of a sudden there'll be things that of impropriety would come along, yeah. you know. Um, so I remember one day we, we nicked a bloke in some public toilets at Victoria Station and he was a member of parliament right. and he was wanking off a tramp, <laughs> you know. And I can remember him saying... Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. An MP yeah. was wanking off a tramp. In some public toilets, Victoria Station, yeah. So we, 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 we booted the door in and the door smashed him straight in the nose. So he's, he's known as there's an old vagrant, as we so call what it. So oh, hold on, hold on. Yeah. An MP was wanking off a tramp. Yeah. What happened to that MP? What right, right. Well, what, what happened then was he gets sent back to it and he's, he starts crying. And he starts What saying, was his name? I can't remember his name, okay. but it was something to do with energy, Minister for Energy or something like that. I can't, and I'm not pushing yeah. it away. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and and what he told me, he said, oh, he said, I'm really stressed in my life and I've got somebody trying to, and the bloke was working with, we went, well, we all get stressed, but we don't wank cramps <laughs> off, mate, you know. But what happened then, um, we, we want to do him for gross indecency. Yeah. Um, and then we're told, no, you can't. So it's a very low level okay. sex crime, right? So it's a low level. And, and all of a sudden the paperwork went awry and they went, you need to get permission from the Department of Public Prosecutions to prosecute him. Why? Well, exactly. Yeah. So you only go to them when when it's to do with life licences and, and murders and yeah. that. The DPP come yeah. in to do with... But this is the bottom end of the scale, What's you know? What's the DPP? Department of Public Prosecution. Okay. Right, so it's like a, an adjudicator for the CPS and they, they make a decision. Should so, so a custody sergeant can say, you... I was charged with murder. Yeah. You know, right. Don't need to go to him, right? But when it gets very complex and organised, yeah. then you'll need to take it to the DPP back yeah. then. This is bottom level. This is almost non-arrestable offence. I think it was a non-arrestable offence back then, but we nicked him anyway. Um, so when you, say if you nicked him, say you nicked the MP, yeah. does that go to press? 
No, no, no. Because no, the press what happens? Bureau, you say you nick him. What, what does actually that mean? He gets arrested, brought yeah. in a station, yeah. to be interviewed and then bailed out for the decision to make, to be made to prosecute. So he gets interviewed, he gets bailed, bailed out, out, yeah, and then and he'll the, wait. The pa- how long? The paperwork. Well, usually six weeks. The paperwork okay. goes off to the justice department, and then they take it to the CPS, and then you get a decision to charge. Right, some things back then you could make a decision to charge straight away. Did he get charged? No, no, all the paperwork went missing, you know, and we were told. And then, uh, of course, we had Dolphin Square on that ground, you know, so officers were dragged in and told they weren't allowed to stop any car coming in and out of Dolphin Square, you know, and if there was, they would face discipline. So that went on. So there was a what lot. What do you of, mean there, Dolphin Square? Dolphin Square is the parliamentary residence building where there was a lot of child abuse, and it's been mentioned very much in the press that's come out in a lot of government inquiries. It's where the politicians are housed. It's a very wealthy... And that, and you're saying where the politicians were housed, there was child abuse? Child there. abuse, yeah. Child prostitution, child abuse, yeah. Child rape. You're joking, no, mate. no, no, no. There's a book come out by uh, an MP called Simon Danchuk and he writes about it. There's been a lot of scandal over it. Dolphin Square. It's come out in the press. You've only got to Google it and you'll see it. So... Um, those in the know will go, oh, yeah, that place. So, so there was. And we're still a, talking mid nineties here, or coming to two thousand. Yeah, 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 mid nineties. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and there was a lot of strange stuff going on uh, at that time around around that area and that. But you know what happened was a lot of these um, these coppers started getting arrested. So one day, three people got nicked. Uh, they shut down the CID, and the next day, there was no one there. Mm. You know, um, the other the other time when you see it emptying out was if there was a Masonic meeting. There'd be no one in the office. It'd yeah. just be empty. Yeah. So it'd be like a Wednesday or a Thursday afternoon. There'd be no one there. They'd be gone, you know. Well, they're all at the Masons. Yeah, they'll all go, from, you know. And there'd be absolutely no one there at all, mm. you know. Um, but it, it was, I liked it, like the energy at that place. It was, it was great fun. Um, Were you part of the Masons? No, okay. no. What made you stay out of that? Well, I was always skint. I, I mean, and, and <laughs> well, what would they want with me anyway, yeah. you know? Yeah, 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 Do you yeah. know what I mean? I mean, it's... Um, it's one of them things. So yeah. no, 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 I'm not Mason. Uh, mm. But yeah, it was a lot, lot of the so work. So how long were you in the CID for? Uh, I well, from then on, from the rest of my service, yeah. really. And how many years was that? Uh, I, about twenty three years. Twenty three yeah, years. Yeah. And then what happened then? Um, what stuff I, did you see in the CID that made you feel really uncomfortable? Uh, the child abuse stuff. The child abuse stuff. What you mean, corruption wise? Corruption, or anything? Uh, yeah, the cover up of child abuse. Cover up of child abuse. The cover up of, of child, child abuse. Yeah, yeah. What yeah. in the old bill? Uh, n- not so much the old bill doing it, but they were covering up for people higher up. I mean, it was. They were covering up for people higher up. What, like an MP or another copper or MP judges? Yeah. MP and judges. Yeah, and things like that. Yeah, people high up. Um, how it worked was why? Um, why would the, why would a copper want to cover up well, for well, child abuse? A well, child's with an well, MP or... Well, well, well I'll tell you, I'll tell you um, what happened. If you follow the timeline, it'll, you'll, it'll yeah. go into it. Um, I, I got left. Um, so so this ex-villain's missus, I ended yeah. up with two kids with her. She had two kids anyway. Um, she had a terrible drug addiction and left me with all four children. So I'm now a single parent, a young man yeah. in my in my 20s with four children. Wow. You know, two... And where was she gone? She fucked off. She okay. just, she well, just left her kids? Yeah, she just left her. How yeah. old were her kids when she left? The youngest was nine months. Nine months. The eldest so you brought up a nine... And the oldest was what? Nine? Nine years, yeah. So you brought up a nine-month-old and a nine years plus your two kids? Yeah, no, kids. no, no. It was nine, nine, seven... Uh, or, or he was younger than that, so it, no, sorry. He was about seven, five, two, and nine months. I brought him up on my own. 
I, my wow. family were close, so they helped. But massive, massive respect, by the way, yeah, bringing up four kids, yeah, yeah. especially two, not your own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're growing into men. They're my best friends now, yeah. you know. And I advocate against single parenting. It'll all become yeah. apparent. They were going to yeah. put the older two in care. They were going to put one of them because uh, one of the boys had been exposed to horrendous domestic violence and uh, they were going to put him in a secure unit. And the social worker said, there's no way I'll cope with them. And he, he would he would do things like urinate on other kids in the classroom yeah. and things like that. He was off the scale. Yeah. And you know, that boy has never had the police around my ass one day. Wow. He went on to work full time in hard work mm. and never brought one bit of disgrace back to me. So it can be done. How uh, did, how, how, I'm trying to get my work out of my head. Four kids four by kids, yourself yeah. as a dad. How on earth did you manage that? And, well, I, and still a cop, that's yeah, the CID. Yeah. And, and I never, ever held my hand out for any help. Never. Um, time went by and they got older. So some of the things were wrong because my children would be home, left home alone. Yeah. So, But the age, the ages of when a kid can be left is very grey. Mm. So I would leave one of my boys, I could trust him. He was a good kid. And he would basically look after him until I got home. You know, So I'd get up in the morning, I'd make all the dinners for him and all that. And when they, and one of them, he would make sure they got yeah. to school, and that's how it went. Yeah. I did have one woman; the younger one would would take pick my younger one up, mm. so I paid her, and the others would all get the bus mm. together. So, I was I was, I've what I've done all through my life is fly by the seat of my pants. Mm. There's been no belt braces and string with me. Mm. I've never had money. I've always been skint, mm. and I used to always say I had more in common with the people I took through the custody door than the ones I was working yeah. with. Yeah. You know, they'd be going on holidays, yeah. new cars, I had nothing. Yeah. You know, I was doing tree surgery at the work weekends on my days off. Um, why, why were you skinned? Because you had four kids? Four kids, yeah. Okay. Yeah, and, and I had a mortgage in the house, mm. you know. So what so, was, I, I'm really intrigued but, about this point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so what happened was I, I ended up um, uh, joining the River Police, right, which is like, the most sought after job in the world for any police officer. What is a cushy number? Oh, it's unbelievable. Yeah. It is just phenomenal. <laughs> it's it's a first police um, uh, unit ever in the world. Wapping Police Station is the oldest police station in the world, 1798 that was built. Um, it predates everything and it's ancient and they work four days on, four days off. So I'm thinking, well, that's handy and I could do my dive in there. So I was thinking, no, oh, that's brilliant. So I went there, but I had to then go back into a uniform posting which was which wasn't bad, I suppose, but I got bored quickly, and they had a sergeant there, right? So at Wapping Police Station, they had special branch were posted there, right? It's classed as a port, and there was a lot of sneaky beaky stuff would go on, you know, uh, and special ones were linking with the intelligence services. So I started seeing this other side of it. So I'd seen the rawness of corruption at the other place. Now I started seeing how the intelligence services work and all that, and very clever. And I think you'll see that anyone who thinks they can outwit this system is a fool. You really? are. If you, there's a line. And I've been warned. I was contacted by the intelligence service once. And it'll come into context later on. And they said, we really like what you do when I was campaigning. But keep your toes on the line. But you don't cross it, John. You cross that line. We can't help you. You know? And there is a line. And that's yeah. why you see people get taken down. Yeah, okay. Because they think they're bigger than the system. They're not. Yeah, okay. Ain't no one. It's too ancient. It's mm. too big for that. Mm. You know? And understand how they work. Mm. The, these, a lot, a lot backing from the military intelligence, these are very well-trained, mm. intelligent guys. And same with a lot of these detectives. Mm. They're clever. Mm. They've got to think on their feet all the time. They're very switched on, the old Bill. A lot of them have got high IQs, you yeah. know? Some of the, the, the numpties in the uniform, maybe mm. not so, but some of these... Mm. They're outwitting judges and barristers, you know, you know, and and villains who've who've led a very 
cute switched on life, yeah. you know? So um, I go to River Police, and anyway, there's there's a guy there who, who was um, a sergeant from the West End, right? And he was one of the best guys I've ever worked with. What's his name? Uh, Chris, his name was. Chris, what a good guy. And I was teamed up with an ex-Special um, Forces guy. Again, I can't name him because he's, he, he's still a very active mm. guy. And uh, he was awesome, this guy, right? So he said, dragged us in and said, what are you two doing on the boats? And he said, look, I've got a project running. I want you in on it. So uh, he said, I'm going to have a word with, with your team. You're, you're working with me. He said, uh, we're going to be working with a paedophile unit at Scotland Yard. So like, oh, okay. And he said to me, look, I know your problems at home, John. He said, you'll get home. You'll actually get more time at home with me than you will from with that lot. I said, right, brilliant. He said, right, civvies from now on. Uh, and he said, uh, th there's a problem. We've got a briefing. Uh, come in Monday, we'll have a briefing. So we go in. They've got members of the paedophile unit and, and various intelligence units. I didn't even think existed, mm. right? So the travel agency has got an intelligence unit. The post office has got an intelligence unit. The, the, the aviation society, the, um, the military, obviously we know about them. Uh, hospitals, they've all got these intelligence incredible mm. right and it was all to do with tracking down transient paedophiles I think oh brilliant you know he said look there's there's a lot of pedos are going missing because they brought out the sex offenders registry act and sex offenders had to sign on to say where they were so, so you was just saying there was a sex offender that gets nicked yeah when he comes out yeah He's got a register yeah. that they know where he is all yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And what's that? They didn't have tags then, did you? No, your no, no, stuff. No. What did you have? They just had to no, report no, in every night. They just had to report, yeah. They, they had an officer. So if they were convicted, cautioned, or served a sentence for sexual offending, right? Schedule one sexual offending, right? Uh, they had to sign on a register and they had to be managed within the policing district where they resided. So if they lived in London, no, London's different. If they lived in Hertfordshire, for example, they had to tell Hertfordshire police. But if they then moved to Hampshire, they didn't have to tell Hampshire what, so what was the rules then? Seven o'clock at night, you need to report in? Uh, once once a month, every 28 days, they had to go and, and tell the Is police. that it? Yeah. Once every 28 days, you've got to check yeah, in? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but, but they were then monitored, so they could then risk assess these people. So if these people started living near schools or start working with schools or children like that, what would happen then is that they could nail them down a bit more or okay. they could recall them back to prison or okay. whatever. But they were going missing. They didn't know where they were, but it turned out they were living on canal boats. So our job, me, me and, and this uh, ex, uh, crazy guy, uh, we, we went to work on them. So we started patrolling the canals and the rivers, looking for them. They said to us, we think there's two living on canal boats. The, the information company from the prison system. Again, the prison system, oh, you know, and our informants work. People need to, you know, get a grip with this one. You know, um, villain's grass, mm. you know. You're no use to the police. Mm. He's no use to the police. You don't know nothing. Yeah, they're all informants, are criminals, right? Uh, criminals live a selfish life. It's all about them, them, them. Yeah. the immediate. So they get in. They get in trouble. What they're going to do? They're going to do a bargain, and yeah. you hold the keys to the door as a, as a copper or whatever. Yeah. So you know, we used to go into into prisons and, and make deals with them, you know, and things like that. So. Give me an example. Uh, give right. me someone. So if you better give someone 10 years for yep. something, you're giving the names of other people right, and that'll reduce down to three. I'll give you an example. So, um, right, what you used to do, you get codees, right, co-defendants. So two people are up for importation of heroin, 
okay? They're looking at 15 years, right? One ain't having it, the other, the other he, he wants to talk, yeah. right? He makes it clear to you, I'm going to talk, mm. right? So what you do, years ago, what they do is you'll get 15 years, I'll get two years. It's like, really? Yeah. And they found that with the, with the um, Irish terrorism. And, and of course, that one who get two, he, gets, he just gets killed, you yeah. know? Yeah. So what they do now is they, they say, you're both going to get 15, but you put in for an appeal. Yeah. He won't get his appeal, you'll get yours. So I always watch that appeal system yeah. thing. Okay. Not saying people who get appeals are grasses because yeah. they're not, but that's how we would work it. Or time. you get 15, you get 15, you're in cat A and I put you in cat C. Well, you, or is that too obvious again? Yeah, it does happen. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you can bargain with money, right? You can bargain with prison sentence. You can bargain with immigration. So people getting deported, well, you won't get deported. You can bargain with anything. Yeah. And and one of the things is you take out you take out the uh, opposition. Mm. So a drug dealer, you say right, I'll, you, you he carries on, but we take out his opposition. So yeah. lessons, and that's how it works. And it's and and then, so what you do at the morning of the trial, you go to the judge with a letter, right, secretly mm. with, with a member of the um, the government prosecution. Right, and you, you serve the judge a letter, uh, and it's called a text. And the judge will read this letter and say, Right, Mr. B, he's not having it, but Mr. A is having it. Yeah, and the information Mr. A's got is so beneficial that um, he can be used in the future. You must be of use in the future. Yeah. He's given us so much information which has re resulted in conviction, so someone must be convicted, right? Um, and then when it comes to sentencing, that you know, you clear the court. And and then the courts brought back in, so, that, so it's a trial within a trial. It's it's uh, what do they call it? It comes. Uh, what is it? It's not IPP. It's um, oh, there's a name for it. It'll come to me in a minute. Mm. It's a come to me. In a minute. It's it's um, public protection PPI PPI yeah, okay, PPI yeah. public protection immunity PPI, mm. and it's a secret trial, you know, and it goes on all the time. Mm. And I'm telling you, so villains, if you're listening and you're scratching your head. The police are not the all-CNI. Even now, the police don't detect anything now. Yeah. You know, 8% of reported crimes don't get detected. Mm. So that's gone. That's finished. Eight, did you say? Eight, 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 zero. 80 eight, eight, 80% of crimes. Get, get reported gets written off before it's even investigated. Why? So, because the government wanted it that way, you know? They haven't got the resources. They've definitely not got the skills. They are dragging in retired coppers left, right and centre. Yeah. So any serious and organised criminal, especially a foreign one, you're laughing. Yeah. You know, when the government knows this, they've been told this. Yeah. They shut down. So prison. especially, you rolled back there, you said especially as a foreign criminal, yeah. you're laughing. Why? Yeah, because you don't know the rules, you know, and they haven't got the resources to put into to tackling you. And then yeah. you're going to have to, the, the police won't know who you are. Yeah. They haven't got a clue who you are, you know. When you're, I just want to go back another point there. Defendant A, defendant B. Defendant mm. A wants to talk with you. Defendant yeah. B is keeping shtum because yeah. he's... You both get 15 years, yeah. right? But defendant A, can he say to you, I'm going to get 15, but if I give you this information, this information, what are you going to give me? No, no, it don't work like that. And I'll tell you why. But how do I know you're telling me the truth? Well, well, well it's because you're not in control. The tail don't wag the dog. What you want has got nothing to do with this. This yeah. is now, I've got the key to the door. It's yeah. what I want. Yeah. So there's no dictating here. Yeah. You can't tell me what you want. Yeah. And he'll say, I'll give you this. You're all well, good. Go back to yourself. See you later. Okay. When you want to play ball, you play by my rules yeah. and my rules alone. And that's how it is. Yeah. Boom, down the line. So will you tell me, if I say, or someone says I'm I'm uh, person A, I'm going to bubble up him, him, him and him, and I'm going to tell you where it's all coming yeah, in yeah. from. 
how many years you're going to give me. You're not going to tell me. No. So no. why am I going to give you so much information? Well, you I'll give you, I'll drip a bit of information. Well, 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 it's up to you how you want to play it. But if they don't result in a conviction, you get nothing. You get nothing. And that's it. Then you go back to yourself. You're in no position to dictate. You might have the information, but we've got the means to to make this work but you want the information from me yeah but 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 it doesn't matter there'll be another because if one. I don't give you it I still get my 15 yeah there'll be another one coming okay. on tomorrow you know so you go back to yourself maybe a year later we can visit you again well, have, you, have you ever been to, have you ever been anywhere where you've gone around and got a a cocaine deal or a heroin deal and you've seen I don't know 10 kilos of cocaine and the old bill had 2 kilos of it no no it, they're not it, they're not that stupid you yeah. know it, it you know, it's it's a lot more. If you do that, you're looking at getting nicked. Right, you know, okay. you, you are looking at getting nicked. There's there's an it audit must trail. Go on. No, it, it, must go, go it on. goes. So so one of the places where it will go would would be the property covered in, in the police station. Mm. Money would go missing from there yeah. because everyone had access to it. You know. Yeah. Um, so yeah, of course it goes on. Mm. You know, um, if if you go in um, and a lot of people would hide money in the freezer, for example. You know, and places like that. Now, mm. if you had information, there's money in, in the freezer. And you go around and find it. Well, whoever's first in, and they know about it, and then no money's found. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So, it, 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 that's how it'll go mm. on. So when people do it, they're not stupid. Yeah. Stupidity causes, you know, it's like someone from the police federation said to me once, "I've got no problem with corruption. I don't like stupidity." Yeah. And and as a cop, you're going to prison if 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 you're caught. So, these are clever people. Yeah. These are clever, organised criminals. Some of these coppers, mm. you know, and they would wine and dine with criminals mm. and all sorts. Um, prostitutes and everything you know they wanted that gangster lifestyle some of them they, they got dragged in by it did you ever feel like you got dragged in at any point no I'll I, I tell you why because there's nothing they had I ever wanted okay nothing because my phone a pound note well I'll, I'll tell you I'll tell you one uh, I'll tell you one thing that happened once I was um, if you're seeing all these people with a load of dough and you were saying you were always skinned have you, was there ever a time yeah, 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 give yeah, us yeah. a bit of that I'll, I'll have a piece of the pie no right right I, I'll, I'll skip the timeline. Have you ever, right. take, you ever yeah, taken yeah. bum? No, 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 no. And I'm going to tell you, uh, but I've been in that situation, okay. right? And, I, and I'll, tell you, I'll tell you how that went about. So where we left this, I'm coming back to that now. Where we left this was the, the canals of the paedophile. Yeah. So that's where I'll come yeah. back to in yeah. a minute. Now, I ended up working uh, with, with Turkish organised gangsters, right? And it nearly cost me my life. Uh, there was a contract to kill me for £40,000. Um, hold on, hold on. You had a contract, contract 40, grand 40 grand to kill on me. your head? Yeah, on my head, yeah. Why? Because I was seizing so much heroin, I caused a problem. I actually caused a deficit in heroin because of the amount I seized, right? From where? From venues, all sorts of places. From, from uh, One was from a van that had, like uh, I think it was 300 kilos in. I mean, you're talking 3 million quid. No, more than 30 million quid, I think. Uh, one was from a flat. There was a million quid I took from a flat. Uh, one was from uh, a kebab shop. Um, there was, I think that was 17 kilos. All in a week, there was a huge amount. I think it was something like 350 kilos went mm. missing. Mm. All from the same firm, you mm. know, that, that were bringing it in. And I was clearing their heroin up and it was a problem. It was a problem. So I go to uh, deal with a, a bail to return prisoner in... Uh, Central London Police Station, and he's come with his solicitor, and I'm just rebailing this guy. Um, now he is heavily involved with big Turkish um, harem boys, you know, dangerous, dangerous. Mm. One of them was actually found with his head cut off. Mm. These are serious. Mm. So 
um, I was I was a problem for them. Mm. So he he turns around to me and he goes in the room. I go to give him his bail sheet, and his solicitor turns around and said, "Look, um, I'm going out for a cigarette. He wants to talk to you." I went, "Well, I'll leave then because you're not meant to be alone yeah. with them." And he went, "No, no, 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 no. He just wants to talk to you." And I'm thinking he's going to give me information. Thinking that's good. Mm. I've turned this guy around. Because the Turkish criminals are notoriously mm. bad for giving they give information they they will save their skin they will but they're dangerous mm. they're dangerous the Jamaicans you never really got much from them the Irish travellers gypsies forget it mm. that ain't happening you know mm. um, but Turks man they're they're, they're grassing their own brother their own mm. cousin you know they were you know and it was but they were dangerous mm. you, you you and they're very tricky as well you know you, you they would set you up. So this guy, his solicitor goes and he sat there and he's counting out a big wad of money. And they knew my situation. I'm very open about that. And uh, you get to know these people, they yeah. get to know you. And he says, oh, there's a problem with your children, John, and look, you own no money and always you're borrowing cigarettes from us mm. and all this. Mm. And he's counting out, he's got four grand. Mm. He says, it's four. And I went, no. I said, no, 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 man. I don't trust them anyway. Yeah. And there's, like I say, there's nothing they have I want. Yeah. There's nothing. I don't look up to these people. Mm. I looked up to my stepdad and he was a nutcase. Mm. So I don't look up to they. I've been like that all through my life. Mm. You couldn't tempt me with anything. Yeah. That's why watching this guy, they're all raving about Andrew Tate. I look at him thinking, what, what young man would want to be like that? Yeah. It's nothing. It's base level. Yeah. It's, it's nonsense. And yeah. it, it ain't getting you anywhere in life, yeah. you know? Love gets you somewhere. That yeah. is, is temperate. It's nonsense. Anyway, so he said, there's more. He said, because uh, they were making £80,000 a day. Mm. So they figured out that, that if they keep me, um, they give me a day's worth of money, right, then I'll step away. So he said, take that, and then we're going to give you 80000 We'll give that to you tomorrow. No problem. Just leave us. John, please leave us alone. Mm. I said, no way, man. No, 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 mm. no. I said, no, I don't want it. And I went out, and I said to his brief, you know about that. He went, what, what? And his brief was an ex-copper. Mm. And I went, you've got the wrong guy. Yeah. And as he walks out, he just said, big mistake, John. Big mistake. So I then, a few days later, I'm at a, a trial um, for, again, multi-million pound amounts of um, heroin that I caught in East London. So I'm at, at the Crown Court. These guys get, get weighed off for 15 apiece with a, with, with a deportation order. Mm. And these are serious guys. These are Kurdish gangsters. And as you go out to court, you, you you get the door from the courtroom and it goes into a sterile room and then the court to the outside. So there's no, you know. Yeah. And as I go out, they rush me and they pin me up against and one of them gets his finger and he draws it across my throat. He said, you're a dead man. You're a dead man. So they had an undercover officer. Um, again, never underestimate these undercover guys. You ain't never going to sniff them out. Yeah, it, it ain't happening. You know what you think the undercover old Bill Cop England are good. top of their game. Oh man, are they? Their training course part of it was devised by the SAS. Yeah, the interrogation side of it. Yeah. Right, they used to kidnap them off the street. So that's a couple that were applied to become an undercover. He'd get kidnapped off the street. He'd get thrown in a van, driven off, and they'd get kept in a container for three days. Mm. That's how they used to run it. Yeah. it. It was tough. Yeah, it's the hardest course. It's psychologically, it's mm. boom boom. These are these are these are tough. Mm. Um, so there was an undercover officer. Um, he he got involved with the, with the Turkish side of it and at a coffee shop uh, somewhere in the Turkish quarter, which is like the Haringey, yeah. Green Lanes, yeah. Hackney, that way. They found a picture of me on the wall, 
and said, this man's a snake. He looks like us because of my skin, mm. but he's got blue eyes. He's mm. a snake. They, mm. they call me the blue-eyed snake. Mm. And they said, he makes out he's stupid. He's not. Mm. They said, he, he, he he's a problem. Mm. So they had a meeting, and this guy was having a meeting, and, and there was 40 grand put up, mm. and, and this fella got given the, the contract to take me out, Fuck 40 grand. Hell. He later came forward and confessed, you know, um, but the information come back that, that, that John Wedge is dead man. So you've got that around your neck. What yeah. was going through your mind? They they frightened me, yeah. right? So I've had I've had three uh, threats to my life. Um, one was by a southeast London gangster threatened to come and shoot me, and I didn't bother with that. That, mm. that didn't. To be honest, what happened with that? He uh, I got moved house um, because of it, you know. And they said this guy's dangerous, you know. He, he he will he will he will do it. So he's threatened to blast me away. Um, and uh, what more? He got hold of my phone number, my because mobiles had just come yeah. out, and I had, I got mobile. Anyway, it, it rings and it's him shouting at me. You know, I'm going to shoot you. I'm going to do something. And I'm with my stepdad, right? And he's like, "What's all that?" I went, "That this bloke's threatening to shoot me." He went, he went, "Yeah." He said, "Tell him to go get a pen." So this bloke's threatening me, this gangster, you know, villain from South East. I know I'm going to shoot you on, bro. I said, mm. I said, have you got a pen? He went, you what? <laughs> I went, yeah, pen. He went, yeah, I can get one. I went, can you get a bit of paper? My stepdad's telling me what to say. <laughs> and he comes back, he's got a pen and paper. He's gone and got it. You know, yeah. he stopped his ranting. He's got a pen and paper. He said, give me your address. I was like, really? He went, give me your address. I said, look, can you write down my address. That's where I'm going to be. He went, you fucking turn I said, no, 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 it's my address where I'm going to be. My stepdad's telling me, yeah. yeah. And so he writes it down. And then, and then my stepdad said to him, got the phone and went, listen, boy, come around here. I'm going to punch your head. Right? <laughs> I'm waiting for you. And that was it. Put the phone down. I never heard from the bloke yeah. ever again. Yeah, yeah. You know, where the police were going, putting panic alarms, everything. And, mm. and he just said, no, I'll, mm. I'll punch his head if he comes out. Well, you had the more fear of the Turkish. Turkish, definitely, 100%. Just because, 100%. is it just because They'll you do just don't know and you know that they could just do it and they well, could be off skis uh, in Turkey, well, you won't well, see them again? Well, I'm going to tell you something now, right? The Turkish scared me. Yeah. Uh, the, the, the Jamaicans, the, the, and I'm not dissing any of this, yeah. you know, and all that. There was a very... The Jamaican organised crime was very disorganised. Mm. It was disorganised crime more than organised crime because it seemed to be everyone living for the moment, yeah. you know, and they, they never really seemed to have anything, mm. you know. Uh, and, and again, the low-level criminals, they were still living on housing estates yeah. that their parents lived on. And I'm thinking, well, how have you made it? You mm. ain't made nothing, You're j just misery. Mm. The Turks were different. They were very, very organised, you know, and, and there was a lot of wealth and opulence. You know, one guy said, look, look at these cafes. What built them? You know, the British greasy spoons or or, or you're going to have these Turkish ones all marble tiled. He said, where do you think that money come from? Mm. And what you find is that, that, that food and money all go together. The restaurants, yeah. a lot of that was, there's money, bank yeah. roll, the drug money, bank rolls, all of that. So the Turks were a problem, right? Um uh, a very real problem. I, I got jumped. Uh, uh, the biggest, this was the biggest drug trial in the country at the time in Leeds Crown Court. The guys got life. And uh, there were, I got jumped outside the court by, by four Kurdish guys to kind of smash me to pieces. They, they managed to get me down. But luckily, there was um, an off-duty copper um, up there. He, he piled in. Mm. And I didn't know. I was just walking back to the station mm. to come back to London after a day's trial, and, mm. and bang, it was on me. What's that feeling like? You're going to trial. You're in court 
with the people you want yeah. to nick. They're clocking you. Yeah, you're yeah. clocking them. You're walking out of the court knowing that they've probably got 20 mates who have clocked you before yeah. who are going to yeah. have a piece of you. What, surely, but, surely you're thinking, hold on mate, I'm earning the wrong job here. Why am I yeah. trying to nick all these people because it's going to come on top one day? Yeah, well, it'll come on top of them because we've got a bigger gang than them, you know? And there's a line, but the Turkish were going to do it. They, mm. You know, that, that did worry me, you know, and especially when I got jumped, it brought it home a bit. Yeah. I'm thinking, that, these, these are for you, real. You say worry, you got, you're going back to four kids as well. Yeah. So you're going back to four kids. Yeah. You're not thinking you're putting, the job you're in and, and all the nicking you're doing is putting yeah. them under the yeah, yeah. fear as well. Yeah, but I'll Obviously, they might not have known, but you don't know what's going, who's going to knock on your door. I'll tell you the, the one that worried me more than that is when I, I got information that there could be a government hit on me, right? And this is when I started whistleblowing. This is when my life got very, very dangerous. That's when I got really, really frightened. Mm. Uh, now, when, if I can go hold back... Hold on, hold on, hold on. You said the government put a hit on you. Yeah, no, there's information come through, you know, that if I cross that line, that's it, it's finished. Well, did they did they think that you were a nuisance in there? Yeah, yeah, and, and, and there was information come through from the Home Office and the Cabinet Minister. So there was a meeting held, and I was president of this meeting, in Parliament. We was in a room next to Theresa May. Uh, there was the Home Secretary's... Uh, 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 no, I think Theresa May was Home Secretary then, whoever the... Whoever was in the Roughly chair. Roughly, what year are we talking? Uh, about 2015, 16, okay, yeah, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Um, we was in this meeting and there was a cabinet minister there who was high up for defence and he turned around and said, how do you not take my case? He said, there's no way John Wedge would be alive today. And stood up and said that. And I said to him, what are you on about? He went, you know exactly what I'm on about. You know, because of what was involved. Um, and... And that case, I'll come to that. People did die in that case. Mm. Witnesses died. Witnesses two, died. Two witnesses died in that case, yeah. Two young girls that were witnesses to child prostitution died in that case. Now, if what what happened with the, the thing, we went looking for these paedophiles mm. on the boats. We were told there's two. There's two living on mm. canals and there's a loophole. I won't go into it. It mm. bore people. Yeah, yeah, I do yeah. a whole talk on, yeah, yeah, yeah. on this loophole, but it's a loophole that I managed to get shut down. So... I, so I, twice in my career, I got I got the law changed, mm. um, and I, I did that. And the, and I was the only serving officer that had an exhibit in what they called the Black Museum. There's a police museum of crime. I was the only serving officer that had an exhibit in the Black Museum. So a couple of things I did. Now, so we, me, me and this other guy went looking for these pedos. In one month, we found ninety nine zero. Say again, you found ninety. Ninety, yeah. We was, uh, we, was, uh, we was expected to find two. We found ninety. How did you, uh, you're looking for two pedos. How do you find the other 88? Because we were just going from boat to boat to boat to boat and then we were recruiting informants at the same time and then we found out and we were get, just getting information. Do all pedos pretty much know each other? So yeah. a pedo and another yeah. pedo and another yeah. one? Yeah, yeah. And we're really connected. So it started... You, I can't get my head around this bit here. If I was looking for pedos and I was old Bill... I would just have pure anger. Yeah. Meeting a Peter, knowing what you've done. I've seen your record. Well, How did you deal with well, that? Well, what was good was that they, they put me under the pupillage of a very experienced um, detective that had uh, been working for the paedophile unit since its inception. You know, he knew the paedophile's mind inside out. On top of that, I, I would get sent away to work with a, a criminal profiler. Mm. Right, so I got to know the profile. So, so I was privileged. I was one of the few officers that that learnt that side of it. Now I work uh, pretty much um, part time, as it were, with one of the top profilers for the FBI. 
mm. on child murders now. That's what I, you know, some of the uh, outreach stuff I do now. So, so you've got to know how the, mm. the mind works. And what I said was, right, what, what, what do you want? You want to catch a paedophile or do you not want to catch a paedophile, right? You catch one paedophile, he'll know a lot, yeah, right? Yeah. You kick the granny out of him, what's he going to, what are you going to get? Nothing. Yeah. You're going to get in trouble, yeah. right? They're, they're a different mindset. That criminality, um, on the whole, is a reserve of the lower and the working classes. And it comes down to two forms of criminality, dishonest and violent crime, you know? Idiots smashing each other up and nicking stuff. Mm. And on the whole, it, it, it's on the estates mm. it goes on. Mm. You know, again, I'm not rubbishing anyone, but that's where it is. The most the police, they dash around on the same housing estates year in, year out, and it'll be five families on that estate cause grief for everyone. The majority of people work hard and do nice things, and it's ruined by idiots. And that's that. That's why we need a police force, right? Sex crime is different. The, the, the sexual offending against children, paedophiles, there's a there's a whole mindset that the on the whole they're intelligent that they're, they're very covert in how they work and and what is their lever right so and it's the only time you'll find criminality transgressing all social stratas all religions all racial backgrounds right there so i had someone said once well you don't get many jewish sex offenders well that's a lie you'll get as many Jewish sex offenders as you will Buddhist, as you will Muslim, as you will Catholics, you know, or Protestants, whatever, right? Upper-class sex offenders, you'll get as many of them on the lower class. It tends to be the lower and the working classes mm. that get nicked. Um, but then when you get onto the upper and the ruling classes, it becomes different because it's a lever, right? So people, you can coerce someone and you can bully them, Right? And the police do it all the time and the intelligence services do it all the time, right? Emotional blackmail, whatever. Years ago, they could do it with people if someone was homosexual, right? We know you're gay. We know you meet men in the toilets. Now, you play the game, otherwise we're telling the world. Mm. So you play the game, mm. right? But now that's not a problem. You couldn't coerce anyone with homosexual. And if you did, you're going to prison mm. for it uh, as a homophobic crime. Uh, same as drug taking. We know you sniff cocaine. Well, so what? Years ago, yeah. So what now? Mm. Before that, if someone was having an affair, mm. you could blackmail them, yeah. right? But everyone shags around now. It's not a problem. It's, you know, the morals have slid one way, so it's not an issue. What is still taboo is having sex with a child. It's still very taboo. Now, if you've got information someone's had sex with, with a child, you've got them in your pocket. You have got them hook, line, and sinker. And we see this all the time with these scandals coming out, you know? So... What happened was that we were we were really going great guns. We were phenomenal. We were on fire. And it was getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. So one day, and this is when it's not conspiracy uh, uh, theory anyway, conspiracy reality. To conspire is for two or more people, right? The only people who can't conspire, husband and wife. Yeah. By law, a husband cannot conspire with a wife. Apart from that, everyone else can conspire for, for a criminal cause two or more people for a criminal cause, right? So um, it was getting bigger. So some of the, the offenders were living on these boats, but it was it was moving more upriver to the Thames, into Richmond, into these nice mm. start areas. And then we were getting bigger information, right? So you were going up the river? Yeah. So what started to happen, names started cropping up that, that were linked to the establishment. So we had one guy that was very high up in advising social services, 
on how to, he actually wrote a book, I can't remember this guy's name, he wrote a book on how social services protocol works involving children in care. And he's a paedophile. He was linked to someone high up in the educational authority, right, paedophile. And then what you found is then the victims, they all came from the care system. So these are children that had been abused at home. 80% of child abuse goes on in the home, okay? Forget the grooming gangs and all that. Children are put into care because there's a problem at home, right? They get put into a place of safety, and then back then they will get put into institutions where it was organised abuse. And again, I do a two-hour talk on this, at why, why it happens, you know? And what you find is kids are the ultimate commodity. You can use cocaine once, money runs out. Kids, you can use them all the time, you know? And these people want sex with children. They want it. And it, it gave me respect. For once, I started respecting the heroin addict, and the, the, the crackhead, toothless prostitute. And then I come up with this revolutionary idea. Well, why don't we work together? Then no one would touch them, but I did. So I started going on the streets and getting the heroin addict and said, I'll get your money. I'll get you, ain't got to do that, work for me. Hmm. And I started recruiting as informants because they'd all come from the care homes. Wow. So I started getting information. Yeah, I was I was in this kid's home. I was in this kid's home. I was in this kid's home. I was in there. They did this. They pimped me out. And then you started realising how it went and working. So this has all come from the care homes? All, for, all from the care homes. The biggest procurer of, of damaged people everywhere, right? So listen, they had a guy called Mayor Giuliano, right, in, in New York. Because New York had a, a, cr a terrible crack problem in the 80s. It was it was like the murder capital of the Western world, blah, blah, blah. Why was that? You know, well, it had a lot of problems. So they, he said the broken window theory. So if you get crime in an area and it's getting graffiti, well, that's going to cause gangs to meet up, and then the drug dealing, the robberies, and it becomes an epicenter of shit. Mm. Clean them areas up, cut the grass, trim that. Wherever, if window's broken, fix it, crime will go. Okay, good. Good. On the most base of level, but why don't you pick the scab and realise why is that heroin addict there? Mm. And I started doing that. I mean, I'm in no way saying... That I, I'm reinventing a wheel, mm. but I never minded getting my hands dirty. Mm. My two older boys were going into a kid's home, right? And I thought, that could have been my boys. Yeah, That could have been my boys. They would have been made to do sex acts on Dirty Man and everything else. They'd be on heroin. And then what? The coppers picking up for the rest of their lives, yeah. you know? Dysfunctional kids themselves. Se offending amongst people who are victims is a lot higher than those that aren't victims. And I'm not saying in any way that victims go into abuse. I don't, but a greater percentage do. Mm. Let's keep it factual, mm. you know? So, but what happened was that it wasn't just the lower level people. We started getting names higher up. And and this, this uh, guy come up to me and he said, I need to talk to a very, very well-respected detective at Scotland Yard in, in the paedophile unit. He'd been on telly, this fella. I talked to me, John, and I said, uh, he said, listen, he said, I want to tell you something, John. You, you, you're good. You're good. You're a good little thief taker and you're very well known. And he said, uh, any, any other line of policing, you get promoted, don't you? For, for, for working hard, you'll get a good job, good position or whatever, you know? He said, not in this game. The moment you get good at this game, you fuck yourself. Yes, what, so the moment you get good at finding paedophiles, you're going to fuck yourself? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why? Yeah. And he said, listen, John, there's wheels within wheels, right? You can't get good in this game. He said, twice we were shut down on big, big investigations in which one very, very senior cabinet minister um, in the UK, 
very, very high up, was involved with young boys. Household name, again, I can't go there with it. Household name, he was involved with young boys. Very well-known actors, and we, we discussed them, preamble, you know, were involved. And, of course, it becomes a politically influential. So you can alter politics. Look at, look at Ted Heath, the former Prime Minister. He was up for investigation of 34 cases of male rape. Now, imagine if he was Prime Minister now and he liked little boys. Well, what do you think Putin could do? Mm. Putin's already said the UK and the American government is full of paedophiles. Mm. He's already said it. Mm. Is he wrong? Well, the investigation I've come across, he's partly right. Because mm. not all of them are paedophiles, but there are paedophiles and it has been covered up. Mm. And who better to cover it up? You know, you cover up for your mates. Mm. And... And, it, and you do. Look what was said earlier, but I'm over, fill that out. Well, if it happens in a microcosm, it happens in a macrocosm. Mm. You know, if you're a builder and another builder comes you don't know, you're going to give it to your mate who you do know. Mm. It, that's how life works. Mm. This is serious stuff, you know. Uh, and then, so he said, be careful, John, because your name is now getting mentioned in the corridors. Be careful. You're getting too big. Well, the next day I was dragged in by a senior officer on the unit I was on. John, we're shutting down the operation. Right, we're shutting it down. And I'd categorise near off every single canal boat. I was getting information coming from all over the place, from all over the world. Kids being moved about on boats and everything mm. else. And it's, it has come out officially in the government inquiry that it was going on. So, you know, and they, and they turned around and said, John, you shut down. And I was, I, was, I was really bemused. I said, but why? It was so good what we were doing. Mm. It was brilliant. And he said, um, because... Uh, he said, anyway, I'm not going to lie to you. He said, I've got too much respect to you. He said, I was going to lie to you. He first said it was going to be the fact that they couldn't afford me as a secondment. You needed back, you know, which is a nonsense. Mm. And he knew I wouldn't wear it. But he said, I owe this to you. It's come from so high up, John. He said, you can't argue it. He said, listen, I've been told any job you want, you're going to get. I'll put in for any job you want mm. and, and you'll get it if you don't want to stay here. I said, I can't stay here. So what I did, the, the vice unit, had come out. There weren't detectives on the vice unit uh, in central London dealing with prostitution, gambling, and everything. You know, it's again, they've made films about it, mm. these units. I think the, that film Bank Robbery goes on about the vice mm. unit in the 60s, mm. and it, it, it was probably one of the best detective jobs you can get, you know, um, in the UK because not many have got vice units. Yeah. You know? So, and this, this is our, you know, we, we were mentioning before our masonry works mm. and whatever. So uh, I said, well, I want to go on this unit. So you get you, you make an application and then you get told, right, you've got to read up on on this topic. So you, you've got to know, because crime, there's all different aspects of law, right? So on the street, you just deal with criminal damage, assault um, and, and violence and, and theft, right? And you've got to know the law inside out. When you specialise, you start knowing about conspiracies and all sorts of other things. So I needed to know about vice crime. Um, I'd never come across it before. I didn't understand it. And there's a whole library to read up on. So I've got to read up on all this stuff. I've got kids at home, you know. My, you know, it's hard work mm. for me. Um, so the, the, the guy, one of the guys high up in the, the unit I was on, he said, uh, let's have a look at the application, see if I can help. He went, who's interviewing you? He went, this guy went, no worries. He's in the lodging room. So he rings him up, bing, 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 yep. and says, uh, uh, good lad, going to sponsor him. He's going for this job. He went, yeah, his application's there. We need a reading list. So what it means is I want all the questions and all the answers for this job. 
right? Gold dust, you know? It's like having having your O-level. Mm. Um, mm. And he went, yeah, pen and paper. They're the questions we're going to ask him. Dum, dum, dum. Wrote down all the questions I was going to get asked and all the answers. Mm. He has to answer this, 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 this. Oh, some of them I'd never got them. Mm. He needs to answer them all and, and in this way and he'll get the job. And and a word will be put in as well. And he went, yeah, cheers, I owe you a drink. It was Mason to Mason. And I went for the interview, you know, boom, and that's how I got it, mm. you know. I, I probably would have got it, maybe, without sounding, you know, but that's how this it is, went. This is the way the world works. How the world works, yeah. Of course it is. You look yeah. after me, I look after you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I go into this job and I start working on the street with prostitutes, right? So I'm working on the street with the prostitutes. And again, they'd all come from the care homes. Yeah. So they were going out nicking these girls, uh, getting them a 50 quid fine. They were back on the streets. Well, I did the same. I started saying, well, What's going on? I, so I started working them. You know, the working girls, I started working them. Yeah. And the information I was getting was unbelievable. They were saying that this guy turns up, he wants a young girl. He keeps asking for a young girl. You know, he's in this car. And of course, we, we could then go, do a yeah. job on this fella, yeah. you know? And it was getting bomb. It was really rolling. And then one one night... Was, um, that, ex was that exciting for you? Yeah, it's fantastic. Going, it was, was it? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and then you're fighting with pimps. Yeah. You know, uh, and I can remember... Uh, my, my colleague had, had stopped a girl and a pimp didn't want that. You know, she's off the gate. Yeah. What you got to understand, the pimp prostitute wasn't like you see in the films. It was a working relationship, yeah. you know. They they were symbiotic. They worked off each other, mm -hmm. you know. Do you remember what sort of sums a pimp was taking from a prostitute? Look, that, it, it would just be money to buy crack. They live for right. crack. They live for heroin, you know. They, these are living like dogs, you know. And and one, one day, this, my guy's, Went to Nick, this girl, and, and anyway, this shadow comes out of, you know, the, the slums of like King's Cross, you know, and in the middle of the night, and it was it was in an old Victorian street. It was like something out of a, a Dickensian thing, and he, he sort of comes out, and I see this glint, and he's got a knife on him, thinking, oh my god! So yeah. I run over there, and he's pulled it on me. Um, I thought, oh blind, what am I gonna do? So I punched him on the nose, right? So he's. <laughs> He's gone down and, and we start fighting, right? Me and him. And um, and what, what's happened is, is as I pulled him down, his head's hit the floor and my head, my ribs have broke, got broke on his head. Yeah. So his head's got smashed on the floor and my ribs have got broke. So his, his nose got done again. Yeah. And then, and uh, he, he, enough, he's gone, enough, 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 you know, and the knife's got dashed. And, and I, I got him handcuffed. I said, let's have a minute. I said, do you want a cigarette? And he was from New York. He was from Brooklyn, this guy, you know? And he said, you're gonna give me a cigarette? I said, yeah, look, put the cuffs under your arm like that, put them up here, and I'll roll your cigarette. So I rolled him a cigarette. And he said, I wanna tell you something. He said, uh, I went to stab you. And I went, yeah, I know you did. And he said, you fought me like a man. And he said, I'm from Brooklyn. He said, I, years ago, he said, I, I did this. I was pimping girls in, in, in New York. And he said, the, the NYPD vice team came and I did the same, and they shot me, and, they, and I got seven years in Rikers Island prison, right? Plus I got shot. Mm. And he said, you fight me like a man, and you give me a cigarette. He said, you're a class act, <laughs> son. <laughs> and he, he shook my hand, you know? <laughs> he said, whatever you say I've done, I've done. I said, mm. well, it is attempted murder, but look, you breached your asbo, let's just run with that. Mm. He said, sure. I said, yeah. I said, don't go putting a blade on people. Mm. But back then you did and you threw it down the drain. Mm. Now armed cops would turn up. Yeah, it, yeah, it's yeah. all crazy. But back then they just got kicked in the nuts. When was the when was the point when you said I need to do I need to be a whistleblower? Yeah, well this is what happened. So one night I'm out 
and there's a little girl on the street. What do you say, little girl? What, a young For, girl? 14 year old girl, right? But she's underage, she's on heroin, right? And all. This girl was very young, little for her age, and she was on heroin, so she looked like she was nine. Mm. So she's on the street, so thinking she's got to come in. But as a place of safety, I'm not nicking mm. her. She's, mm. she's, you know, a little kid. So I nicked her, and then we say, look, I'm coming back with this girl. And I went, oh, no, we know her, we know her. So it's come out on the radio. Tell her to F off. I was like, why? And went, she's got scabies, right? Um, and, and she'll infect the car and let you off the street. Just tell her to... They told me to tell her to go back out in the street. Mm. Anyone who has sex with her is rape. You know, she's got all contagious diseases, hepatitis mm. C, HIV and everything. And the girl's on heroin. I was like, no, come on, mm. you know. And, and that was when I think, what are we here for? This is wrong. So then what happened was a young girl would come forward because I started really looking into this. And there was information I found that one of the prostitutes was pimping out young girls and they just weren't targeting her. Um, one of the girls had come forward four, no, not four, three times, right? Mm. And made allegations to police that she's been pimped out since she was 13 years old and she's in a kid's home. So I got permission to go and visit her in a kid's home. So I went to see her and she was, she was a right little scumbag, you know, mm. she was, she was horrible to be honest, mm. but that's not my final opinion mm. of her. That was my initial opinion. Mm. And, and unfortunately this little girl got killed, God mm. rest her soul. Um, and a lot of what I did was in the memory of this poor little girl, you know, this is when I realised um, what was going on. She said, John, there's not just me, there's so many others. We're... So this this one prostitute called Foxy was, was what she was doing. She was, she was in with a Jamaican drug dealer and um, they were going around selling drugs. She was prostitute herself, but she was getting in with all the other prostitutes. And if they had children, she was trying to, groom them and look after their children, you know? Which a lot of them were young girls. Mm. But what she was running was a child prostitution racket, right? With, she she was running it. Yeah, 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 yeah. With mm. her Jamaican henchmen, yeah, you know? Okay. So, um, and again, this is where I want to change people's perception of what a paedophile is. Mm. This isn't a middle-aged cl- middle white guy with milk-bottom glasses mm. who lives with his mum, yeah. who's a bit odd. These were Jamaican guys, you know, in their 30s. These were Albanians in their 18s. These were police officers, these were judges, these mm. were, you know, people for the BBC, you know. Mm. We need to understand that this thing doesn't know the rules. Yeah. It doesn't know the boundaries, you know. Um, there's no demographic hindrance to these people. They will go and do whatever they want and they're all connected. Again, it's changing. So you so you were like the pioneer of this. It seems like you were unravelling all of this. Yeah. And you're unravelling it so much from the paedophiles who, we, who you were at before to now well, the, these young prostitutes... Well, being you, groomed. Well, you never reinvent the wheel, but there's a reason this doesn't get touched, and mm. I'm going to come to that. Mm. There's a reason this don't get touched. What doesn't get touched? Investigation into child prostitution. Why doesn't it get touched? Yeah, well, we'll find. We'll find out in a sec, you know. There's a reason. So when you've got the girls, because who do they turn to? They've got no one. They've literally yeah. got no one. They're, they're grassing, gun-toting Jamaican gangsters yeah. and everyone else. It, it, there's a lot at stake here. So they would be taken to crack houses, and they'll be passed around a dirty, stinking... I mean, I don't know if anyone here has been... I spent a lot of my career in crack houses, and they ain't Filthy. nice places. They're yeah. disgusting. These people have lost concept of humanity, yeah. you know? And, you know, just, just wretched places, you know? They don't even use a toilet, some of them. And these girls would be passed around, the, the, these dealers and punters, in the morning or wherever, midday, whenever they get out. 
And then they'll be taken in the evening to posh restaurants, which would have after hours shut down with posh Arab yeah. people. And then uh, we started getting information about a judge at a central London court that was involved. Then we got information about a senior police officer that was involved. Then we got information about someone high up in the BBC music department that was involved. And and this, BBC music department? Yeah, yeah. Who was yeah. that? I can't, can't go there with that, but, mm. you know... Um, and then it went on. So this on. was all this information was coming back after you just speaking to the prostitutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah, young girls. And yeah. they're all coming back the same information. Yeah, yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. And of course, we was then getting these kids taken and putting them in secure units, looking after them. There's a lot of aftercare yeah. goes on here, you know. And of course, they were going missing sometimes. We'd have to go on the street. It was all street work. Yeah. We're tall through the streets. And then we find out the boys were being used. And there was a part of London called the Meat Rack around Piccadilly, where boys were being pimped out. And what we found out, that the vice unit had known about it for years. And of course, what was a scenario I gave a minute ago, we did catch a girl and they told she's got scabies, get yeah. rid of her. They just couldn't be asked. But there was another reason, because there were people high up having sex with these children. And we've seen this come out in all these government inquiries lately, you know, yeah. politicians involved and everything else. And, it, and it, then you get the military intelligence service mm. get involved. So when, when you start talking about this, the newspaper get D-notices served on them, right? And and you think like the Elm guest house that came out, the kids were being taken to this guest house in South East London in Barnes mm. and politicians were using it and having sex with them, you know? Mm. Um, and, and because they can be influenced, they can be blackmailed and all of it was videoed. And then there's a thing called a D-notice that gets served on, on you know, um, media agencies, right? And not to talk about it, but, People go, Dino, I was just a band of... No, D-notice is a defence notice. The police don't use D-notices. The intelligence services use D-notices. It was brought out during the First World War. Loose lips sink ships to stop people talking about mm. matters involving war and national security. So, so, that, you were, so you were seeing all this firsthand and then you're also noticing that nothing was getting done about it. No, no. And, then, and then what happened then? So it was, it was just growing. And the girl I was working with started having a breakdown. And it was getting heavy, right? So I said, right, I, I'm going to start documenting this officially. I'm going to put this in a report now. We need help. Yeah. So I, I then get, I think, send a thing out to all London boroughs. Has anyone got a problem? So uh, Croydon come forward to me and said, John, we've got a massive problem here. We get these girls that are, but we've been to your vice unit so many times to tell them to organise strategy meetings yeah. to address it, they tell us to F off. Yeah. And I was hearing the same from all, all over the place, right? And then I heard from about one little boy that was being pimped out. He was 11 years old. He was on the last stages of full-blown AIDS and he was in a kid's home. He was still being pimped out and no one was stopping it. No one was stopping okay. it. And it was breaking me. I was thinking, no. So I did a short um, document. Um, now, I had a friend... Uh, that was, he had the IQ of a genius, right? Um, he was an undercover officer and he was probably the cleverest man I've ever met in my life. He, he went on to become an author and all sorts. He's a phenomenal guy. So I said to him, I need to write a report. And I give him the information, you write it. Can you write for me? And he put it in the best English. Mm. I think he even wrote it with a quill, you know, it's so nice. <laughs> and it was perfect. Yeah. When you read it, it's like, wow, this yeah. is poetry. So I put this report together and I submitted it. And I submitted it through the computer system and it gets deleted. Thinking, well, it's been deleted. So, and I realized that someone in the intelligence unit is deleting it, right? So what I did was, I waited till this guy went home, 
pull it on again because um, uh, when the civilian stuff come in the morning, it got on the mm. system. Mm. So it got on the system and it got a log number, right? And I managed to print it off with the log number. Later on, they deleted it with, with the log number. You couldn't get rid of it. It was there, you know? So this report goes on. So give it a day or whatever. Um, the next thing, I get uh, a call. Because by now, we're working out of a, a, of a secret little office uh, in central London. So I get a call to come back to, to the, the main headquarters and to see this senior officer, anyway. So I go back there. I'm cutting it short a lot. There's a lot more to it. Mm. But then this report's there, and he, he sits there. This, now, bear in mind, this guy is now one of the most senior officers. And, you know, again, there's a court order. I can't go there. He, he, I did mention him in, in a hearing, mm. but there, there was a restriction put on it. Because I have taken this further, you mm. see. So Anyway... Uh, he sits there and he went, what What have you done? Now, he liked me, this guy, you know, because I, I was a like, mm. lad, you know. And he said, what the fuck have you done? He said, John, you can't put this out. He said, this will destroy us past, present and future. We are fucked mm. if this gets out. So if this got out and the Home Office got to know about it, this is a problem. This is a big problem. This is a huge failing in, in, in policing, past, present and future. He said, you've got to understand, you don't know what you're dealing with. You don't know how deep this goes. And at the time, I didn't. I was to find out, mm. right? So he said, I'm telling you now, you'll be thrown to the wolves, John. Ain't no one going to help you. He said, I can't help you. And he said, you know, he said, if you mention a word of this, you're going to lose your home, your children, and your job. Your children? Yeah. Bear in mind, that's what he said. You must shut the fuck up, John. And he was pleading with me. Mm. He was. He was actually saying, you know, it's like it's like saying to someone, don't go onto a traveller's site and offer yeah. them all out. You know, yeah. like, please, you don't what you're doing, mate. <laughs> you know. And it was like that. He was yeah. literally saying, you you and I was I was to find out. And he said, You can't say anything about this. And he said, How do you think you've been treated? I said, This is appalling. This is I couldn't compute it. I thought I was sorry, I thought I was brought in to be to be praised. Mm. No, 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 no. No, he said that, and he said, listen, if you mention anything, you put in a complaint, he said, this is what happens. It goes through the grievance procedure, it goes off so-and-so, so-and-so, and it comes back to me on my desk here. And he said, from there, do you know what I do with it? I said, I don't know, you submit higher up. He went, yeah, well, I'll submit into that there, and points mm. to the bin. Mm. It goes in that bin there, mm. and I'm drinking water. And um, he said, it ain't going anywhere. He said, I won't betray rank. He said, and what you understand, You've got no idea what you're dealing with. Mm. Right. So I go away from there and I think, oh. so I end up moving to a child protection unit and I start doing the same. And I have to take an undertaking. I'm not allowed to look into child prostitution again. So I go to another child protection unit in North London and within five days I find 50 kids that are being pimped out. What happens then is that the, the case I was on, the paperwork's all done. We go and arrest Foxy um and, and our cohorts, we've got about 30 kids on the indictment. It gets reduced down to one kid, one kid. There's three, the other two weren't, they were very low level crimes, but one kid for, for pimping out. That little kid, bless her, was found dead, right? She got killed, mm. right? Dumped on the street, a corpse like a dead fox on mm. the street, you know? Um, the other two kids, uh, the youngest was nine, um, the youngest one, she was later to be found dead as well. She died later on, a little bit later. And it was lives ruined, you know, lives ruined. 
Um, the, the girl, the, the main witness who died, her grandparents, they, they campaigned for years and years for justice for this poor little soul. It went nowhere. So I think I can't, the moment I found out she died, it, something inside me broke. This girl was so brave in mm. standing out, you know, and I'm thinking, who am I? And I'd watch, like I said, I watched this film Serpico when he stood up, mm. old Frank Serpico, and stood up against um, the mafia, you know. Um, so, so I said, you know, earlier on, I, I watched this film with this guy, Frank Serpico, NYPD detective. He spoke out against corruption and his his whole world collapsed and uh, Al Pacino went on to um, to play him. And I later on uh, ended up sharing a stage with Frank Serpico. He, he heard of my plight. Anyway, so... Um, I thought, no, I'm, I'm, I'm standing up. But my, my mental health started to deteriorate as well because I just couldn't cope with it. Mm. You know, it was destroying me, you know. And uh, so I was drinking a lot and all sorts. I was getting very angry with, with the system. And I was, I was getting very reckless. So I actually wanted to be sacked. So I'd turn up work and I'd smoke a cigarette in the office and, and I'd, uh, I'd be drunk and things like that. Mm. And I wouldn't do any work. I mean, one day I just put my feet on the table. Senior officer come in and I just looked at him. And he was like, stand up, I just wouldn't, wouldn't move. And I was waiting, just waiting for him to push me yeah. so I could have it out. Yeah. And in the end, that 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 did occur. Um, one inspector thought he could push me too far. And I, I went for him, you know. I, you know, Luckily, I didn't do anything that would have, you know, but I picked his computer up, went to throw it out the window. <laughs> and, and, and I went for him and he, you see the look on his face, mm. you know. It, his blood had drained and I'd gone, you know. So, so I, I then made an allegation of corruption against the police and the cover-up. So that was the bit that you said, right, I've had enough yeah, now. Yeah, when the little girl died, yeah. So yeah. you made an allegation to who? I, I, there was a special unit. Have you ever seen this film, uh, Line of Duty, this programme, mm. Line of Duty, mm. that anti-corruption command? Mm. And again, a load of nonsense because that the anti-corruption command, man, they, they never caught corruption, none of them. It's a load of nonsense. Don't believe that, you know. The, 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 the premise is the truth, but... The actual, you know, because I was to find out, I thought these guys were going to take this on. Mm. So I, I wanted to to meet with a very senior woman detective to report it. And they gave me a uniform uh, lad. He went, no, no, no. I said, mate, fuck off. I ain't talking to you. Yeah. Right. I want, and I'm telling you now, this is what I want and you better give it me. Luckily, I got it. So this woman, rings me up, she said, I'm DCI so-and-so. She said, uh, Come and see me. So I go and see her again at a covert building. And on the way there, I get I get intercepted by a senior officer that was on the vice unit that's part of the conspiracy. Yeah. He thinking, what's he doing here? Mm. And he's trying to talk me out of it. Mm. And I, I just, he went out of the way, right? So how he knew, I never know. Yeah. And he's, oh, anyway, so I, I fucked him off and I went in with this woman. And she said, look, John, I, I don't understand. She said, and, and what I said to her was later to become a narrative in that line of duty documentary, mm. right? She said, why do you want to see a woman police officer and a police detective? I said, because you can't roll your trouser leg up. Mm. Right? Meaning you ain't you yeah. ain't a mason, women ain't yeah. masons. Yeah. And she, she sat there, went like that, and then she laughed. She said, I'll listen. So I told her, and she was like, oh my God. She said, John, we're going to treat you as a vulnerable and intimidated witness. She said, you're going to be put under protection. We're going to do all this for you. I said, oh, thanks. I think you thank God. Right? So it went off to be investigated. So they're going to put you under protection? Yeah, yeah. From the other old bill? Yeah, yeah. But what happened then, 
So give me an example. Like they're going to put you under protection yeah. from the people you yeah. work with because yeah. you're, you're yeah. telling the truth. Yeah. Yeah, so no one could contact me. There was all things put in place. So what they did was the inquiry then, they said, we got, we, it's because it's so big, it's got to be moved. So it went on to a national inquiry. Then the paperwork all went missing, right? And then what happened was the corruption lot came for me, right? So I was warned with loss of your home, your children and your job. So the next thing, I get papers served on me for gross misconduct, saying that I'd um, unlawfully been looking at intelligence I shouldn't have looked at. I'm like, what, what have I done? Mm. And then I was like, well, you need to be interviewed and all that. So I'm then put on suspension. Um, I then go sick. I think, you know, I, I'm, I, this is, they're coming for me now. Yeah. So I went sick. And what had happened is Jimmy Savile had died, right? So Jimmy Savile had died. And for the first time, it started coming out. Yeah. You know, that actually what was incredulous isn't, it's the truth. So all of a sudden there's this guy that everyone thought was a saint. He was actually raping mm. children and dead bodies and all sorts. And it wasn't just him. There was many, many more. This bloke was a prolific paedophile that was sanctioned at, at royalty level, you know. And even on the International Political Forum, this guy was sanctioned, you know. Netanyahu backed him up and all this sort of stuff. And then coppers started coming forward. And then government inquiries started happening. So Ted Heath, the former prime minister, was now accused of paedophilia. You know, um, Leon Britton, the Home Secretary, uh, was accused of it. And, and I can back up because I'd heard his name mentioned many times. Mm. Home Secretary mm. that was involved in young boys, allegedly. Mm. Okay. Um, and boom, boom. And then coppers started coming forward. So there was there was two police officers come forward. And I thought, oh, unbelievable. So a politician was backing me up. He, he then was uh, an MP that was to do with police and crime. He was a cabinet minister. He was a right honourable. Um, he's now a sir. So he backs me up. Says, you're a brave man, brave man. The next thing, he stands up for me in Parliament and says, look, you know, because I went to him and said, oh, look, I'm coming under attack here. He then gets removed from his job. He got removed. Yep, yep, yep. He got stripped of his, of his uh, position. And Theresa May told him, you go nowhere near this lad wager. Right, so it's getting serious, right? So everyone's trying to shove it under the carpet. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So then I get yeah. contacted by there's a woman whistleblower, you know, Maggie Oliver. Mm. So she Maggie she, Oliver's actually coming on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. so lovely she, lady. So she, um, I link in with Maggie, and she said, look, they've done the same to me. Uh, they're going to go through your 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 internet history, your computer um, Intel search history, and, and that's how they'll get you. Yeah, because that's how they got me. Yeah. So, which is what they did. The next mm. thing, I got these date protection violations. So, they went back. So then, I I start getting arrested for different things. Mm. So they went back, and one of them was theft. Mm. And th this just shows up. I was running a tree surgery business. So I, on my night duty, I printed out because I didn't have a computer, I didn't have money. Mm. So I printed out an invoice um, from their printer, right? And they found this audit trial that I printed this paper. So they said that I'd uh, that's a theft with a bit of paper. A4 sheet paper. There was um, information. There was the, the the guy who wrote the report for me. Again, they they said the report. You know, I said this this very clever academic individual wrote this report. They turned around and said it. it they would expect. Uh, they wouldn't even expect a standard. You know, of a school child. It was that badly written. That's what they said. I mean, mm. Dickens couldn't have written, mm. written a better. You know, so they were denigrating me on it. So mm. that's the need to denigrate me. He he was an undercover officer 
um, for many years and he ended up in, with, with chronic depression uh, like a lot of them do who, who didn't even know who he was yeah. you know and he went to live abroad and but his legend his alter ego for for infiltration was he lived on the streets as a tramp and he was covered in tattoos this guy he walk about with a little dog and he lived on the street if you saw him on the street he, he, yeah. he actually would smell a piss yeah he would piss himself mm. and talk to himself and he's clever this mm. guy and he, he was one of the best undercover lads he had so I, I sent, he sent me an email to my work email and I said to him, are you still living as a tramp? Uh, and he wanted to meet for beer and he went, yeah. So I said, well, let's meet up. Uh, I said, uh, you, you bring the tenant super and I'll bring the methadone. We'll have a cocktail party. <laughs> right? That, that was it. So the next thing I get yeah. arrested for a uh, conspiracy to supply class A drugs, mm. opiates, heroin, mm. right? out of that. So they say, so tell me, we've got you now. 15 years you'll get for that. Um, it, anyway, there was so no. Basically, the old bill were out to destroy you. Yep, yep. Completely destroy yeah, yeah, you. Yeah. So this gets no, yeah. it doesn't get out into the public domain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, what year was this? 2014. 2014. So, and then what happened was I went sick. So I went before the commissioner, Christina Dick, and I sat before her and said, "Look, this is what's happening." And she said, oh, "She was. She looked truly shocked." Um, did she try to cover anything up? Yeah, yeah. She then she did. She then later denied ever having a meeting with me. Um, she appalling. She lied. You know. Um, I, you know. And um, she then said, "Look, we'll pay you. You know, this is an injury on duty." So she said she'd pay me. The next thing, they they withdrew my money, so I had no money. They weren't paying me, right? So I'm looking at um, nine cases going before a court. I'm now not getting paid. I've got no income, my home, my children, and my job, right? So I can't pay my mortgage. So the next thing, the bank come round, right? I've got my bank account shut. So there was another whistleblower. This guy is phenomenal. His name's Lenny Harper, and he exposed a kid's home in Haute de la Garenne in Jersey where children were actually killed and murdered. Mm. And this guy found bones mm. of the kids. Mm. And they, when it went for analysis, they said it was coconut shell. So he did the same to him. So he says, you've you got to come and see me. So I travel up to see him in Scotland. And we have a lovely meeting. He said, John, they're, they're going to do you. They're going to take everything you've got and they'll go for your kids. And I'm like, why? He said, because this alters politics. Your job is to shut up. Yeah. You've not shut up. You've done what I've done. And I did what Maggie did as well. You know, he said, we all did the same thing. And he said, look, they're, they're coming and they'll, they'll come hard for you. He said, you'll find that the tentacles of this will go right to the heart of the establishment, which is what the independent government inquiry, um, which both Maggie and myself went on to give evidence at um, last year. We both give evidence at that at the same time. It showed that, that that was going on as a monumental failing and has been for a long time. And this is all about money. Mm. It's all about money. Um, and so I, I, I now... I'm looking at losing everything. And in amongst all of this, so the bank come round, and I, I knock the bank sometimes, but bless them, the, the woman sat down and I told her what happened. And she was in a kid's home. Mm. She said, John, ain't no one touching you. Mm. She said, so I was working on building sites for 80 quid a day, mm. labouring and block laying. I've been working in an office for years, mm. you know, and I'm now a middle-aged man working for 80 notes a day yeah, yeah. you know do you know what i'm saying oh, mate, ends, mate. yeah yeah yeah, yeah. We, we have a couple of good lads you yeah. know uh trevor and wayne mm. you know uh turn me on <laughs> and uh I, I tell you this is funny this is uh this is a low point you, we, it does get lower and it gets a bit darker 
This is a very low point in my life. You know, where all my friends are they're getting on with their lives, getting extensions built in their house, so I can't even put food yeah. on my table, you know? And Did I your four kids know what was going on? Uh, to a degree. They could see me going down the hill. Mm. And, and remember, my family did tell them. They, they were to find out mm. uh, in, in a big way. So one day I'm, I'm working um, on a private job in uh, doing an extension and whatnot. And I've, I've got 15 tonne of rubble to lift on my shoulder in a bucket, running the other buckets. And I'm running it out and I'm working with this, this lad called Wayne and we're both running out all day long, eight hours. Where was work? Nine hours. Mm. And it was sleeting and it was in the winter and it was in the town centre and I managed, I was so knackered. And I kept up with the boys, you know, and they, they liked me because I could lay blocks and bricks mm. and I was quite good at it. Mm. So I sort of got a bit of respect there. So I'm emptying this last bucket and I'm shattered and it's a town centre. And as I did it, Wayne goes behind me, grabs hold of my trousers and my pants, <laughs> pulls them down slaps me on the arse my little winkle waving in the breeze in the town centre with people going past and went you ain't in the fucking old bill now son. <laughs> and that was it he walked Equality. off he walked off you know and that's when you sit there big guy I've really yeah. hit rock bottom here you know uh, but it was humbling yeah. you know it was a humbling experience and, and and then what happened in amongst all of this one of my children was, was, was a very very good athlete well, two of my boys were um, phenomenal. Uh, one was a very good gymnast and one was a very, very good rugby player. And one of them, he, he got injured in, in a rugby match and he snapped his neck and his spinal column was, was snapped 95%. Um, he was rushed to hospital. Um, he remained there for many, many months. He was in a coma and my life really slid, you know, um, and I'm losing everything. It's all going. Your home, your job, your children. Now, I'm not saying that this senior officer had anything to do with the accident, but what happened next was. So I get a call one day at the hospital, say, please, can you come up there? And it was uh, the, the best spinal injuries hospital in the country in Cambridge, and it's miles away from my home. And I've literally got a thimble full of diesel in my, my little car, you know? So I, I get up there on fumes, and I've got no, I don't eat, I've got no money, I've got nothing. I was eating the biscuits out there, tea club in the, the family room for the ICU, you know. And there were three consultants there and they stood, they, they drove me and they said, look, look, look Mr. Wedge, we're really sorry, we, we've lost your son. Um, he died at uh, this time. He'd been, he was, we, we tried for 10 minutes. There was seven and a half minutes totally off of, of recorded death, you know, with no life extinct, you know. They said, however, He's on 100% life support because we got a brain algorithm back. There was the brain which indicates life. Mm. But he has been, we would estimate, not short of 10 minutes without oxygen. His injuries are so bad anyway that he has paralysis basically from the eyes downwards. He will have severe brain damage and um, his life expectancy is, is shocking. You know, it's not good. They said, we're going to give you five days on, on full life support. If you you can argue the case, you can go for our legal team. We'll put you in touch with someone and you can. And I said, no, 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 you've done enough, you know. So I'm now at the lowest mm. ebb. So How old was your boy? 24, I think. You know, in his prime, he was about to join the British Army. Um, he was due to go into the horse guards. So it, things were, were good for the, for the lad. So I I get three, I go there, I'm there for three days. So I, I go into into the chapel, the multi-faith room, and I'm praying, and I'm praying. 
and I'm praying. And then I ring up a girl I work with who was friends with the commissioner of police, you know. And I said, look, they, they've got to leave me alone because every week they're arresting me for something yeah. else, you know. I've got no money. I've got no income. Mm. I, you know, I'm losing everything. Uh, and sometimes you have to, you know, in order to come back. And I said, look, tell them to come because if they come near me, I'm, mm. I'm, I'm going to kill them. Mm. That someone will die. Say, yeah. They'll die. Yeah. If I lose my boy, if, mm. if the, when when that machine's turned off, mm. I said I'm an animal. Mm. You know, and I did blame them, and I did blame them, and I, you know, because that that period of time before his death, I wasn't in a good place, and he never saw me in a good place, mm. and none of my children did. You know, it was awful for them. You know, and I blame the police, and rightly so. Uh, and I found out who my friends were. I, I, there was a total abandonment by two people. So therefore, I've got no respect for a lot of these anymore. I haven't because, you know, I was stripped bare and, and I was left wanting. There were two good people that stood by me. Their uh, names? Uh, I can't name one because he's still working, but Paulie is, mm. is retired. Paulie was mm. a good the other one. I, I can't bring him into mm. it. Um, and there was an ex-criminal, uh, a bloke from the street, the bravest man. He's a... So I started linking in with survivors of child abuse at this time because I started going into Parliament and getting involved with the cover-ups because it was all coming was out. This, was this putting fuel in your fire to go, you know what, you ain't getting, you yeah, ain't yeah. knocking me? Yeah, well, this was to come. Yeah. So I spent three days and on the third day I got angry with God. And I was shouting. There was, so with the hospitals you get, there was a lot of Indonesian nurses and mm. Bangladeshi doctors. Mm. So you'd, you'd get one praying to Buddha in the multi-faith mm. and one doing his Allah thing. And there was me with Jesus, you know, and I, and I was shouting. I started shouting. And I said, how can you expect me to go out there and look after other people's kids? Mm. And I started cussing everyone who left a child. I cursed them. I mm. said, these parents who can't be bothered to look after their own children, these parents who rape their own children, these... And I was going mad. I was going screaming. I said, and they go into care and then they, these perverts mm. rape mm. them and, you know, and you want me to help them? Mm. And I spat on the floor. I said, I ain't helping none of them. Mm. I said, you can't give me my son. I ain't helping them. I said, it ain't happening, God. It ain't happening. And I go back and I was at a point of total exhaustion, you know, and I go back and I sit with my son and I've got two days left on this machine. And do you know what? He moved his feet. I was like, what? I said, do it again. He opened his eyes. I said, move your feet again. He moved it. And I'm like, his spine, he's not paralyzed from yeah. the eyes. And he's got tubes. No one should ever, ever see their child yeah. like that. There was tubes and pipes. And it reminds me of the um, picture of Leah Betts, the girl that died through mm. the ecstasy mm. thing. A dad posted, it was like that. It was awful. And um, and I said, held my hand. And he grabbed my hand. And I said, son, I love you. And he, he, he tried to say, I love you, dad. Thinking, he's all, he, there's hope. He was later to walk out of the hospital. He's gone on to live. He's disabled. He's in a wheelchair, but he can walk. He can talk. His brain's fully compartmentalized, you know. Went down as a miraculous recovery. Mm. But that was my lowest ebb. Mm. Well, it was to get a bit lower. So because I told the girl from work what happened, I drive home and I, my son's alive. Praise God. Mm. Dan, uh, uh, well, amen. Um, so I, I, I go home. And when I get home, I, I drove past my road. I always have a little look. And there's a car there. And I know old Bill. Mm. I know old Bill. It, it was an unmarked car. So I drive around. I go around the back. And I go through my back door. And my son was fixing his car. My older boy was fixing his car outside. And these two coppers come. I'm detectives. One was a sergeant. One was a 
constable there from the local plod and they're talking to him and he's like he's loyal He's like, I don't know who you're on about. What are you on about? Mm. Who? who? Oh, fuck. Mm. Good lad. Mm. Good lad. You taught him lad. well. Yeah, yeah. Good boy. <laughs> and then I thought, I can't leave him for this. And I went, you want me? He went, you, John? I went, you know I'm John. So they come in. I said, uh, you're under arrest for child abandonment. I went, you what? Because I've been in the hospital for three days, my son was dying and they knew that. My older boy was 27 then. My younger was about 15. They said I'd left him home alone at the age of 15 and they arrested me. And so that's the level yeah. they'll go to. Yeah. And bear in mind, your home, your job, I'm looking yeah. at going to prison, mm. right? At the very least, my job's gone. That's mm. finished, right? Um, my home, I can't pay the mortgage. They're mm. taking my home because I can't pay it. There's only so long, mm. you know, and 80 quid a day ain't going to pay that mortgage. And now they, they're, they're about to take my kid. For, for what you know now, mm. would you have changed anything the way you've done it? No. No, you wouldn't have left the job, then been a no, whistleblower. No, 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 no. Um, I, I think I, hand on my heart, I think I'm the only police whistleblower who whistleblew whilst working. Yeah. I don't think Maggie did. I don't think Lenny did. I did. Yeah. I blew while I was working. Very dangerous. No, because I, I know it was led by God, you know, I was meant mm. to do it the way it was. But I fought back and I fought back like a lion. The lion started to roar after yeah. that. And I'd been hurt, you see. Mm. There was nothing more they could do to me. Nothing more. I weren't frightened of them anymore. Mm. And I said, okay. So I wrote a letter to, to the Commissioner of Police and I said, I, what I want you to do, Chris said, Dick, um, I'll give you full permission to come in my house anytime you want. No need to get a warrant. I'm giving you permission. You come into my house anytime you want. You take whatever you want. If you want me at a station, I'll be there, right? Any device, electronic storage device, you can have it. You take it any time of mm. day. Come in my house and mm. take what you want. The door is open at the back. It's open. Nothing's going to stop you. And I fully admit to everything you say, but I'm going to court and the world will hear what I have mm. to say. And I wrote that letter to her, sent it to her. And then what happened was every single case was thrown out. The CPS threw every single case out. Um, the new commissioner of police, um, I can't remember his name now, um, the Metropolitan's got, he got he got the file, my file, and he said, this boy's suffered enough. Yeah. Pay him off. Pension him. He, he's retiring. And that day he retired me. Um, I managed to pay my mortgage off. Um, literally every penny I got went on the mortgage. I literally had yeah. a couple of pennies left. And I started a new life. So what I started doing was thinking, what am I going to do? And and I realised someone who ran a kids' charity said, look, people like you. So what I started doing was campaigning for victims and survivors of abuse. So yeah. I went out with my iPhone and I started interviewing victims and survivors of abuse. And this whole mad world opened up in front of me. And I started getting a lot of ex-criminals coming to me. Yeah. So I, I, well, because this is probably the first time they can actually speak, speak up. Speak, yeah. Because you know what you're talking about. Yep. yep. Essentially, rather than some geezer turning around in a suit saying you were sexually abused and younger, and then it gets passed away again. Yep. As they can talk to you and actually open up. And, and started campaigning. Wow. So I, I started with, it's with powerful John with, with a very serious ex-criminal, um, southeast London bad boy. Not many people know this guy, but all the villains will know him. A guy called Billy Maloney. What a guy, what a lion of a man. Went on to become my best friend. Mm. Me and him became like brothers. Mm. We started campaigning all over the place. In fact, I went all over the world, near enough with it. I then started doing stuff with a man called Chris Lambriano. Mm. And then I started getting criminals coming forward and saying, I like what you're doing. Mm. And then, and it went from there, this whole world, yeah. new world opened up. I want to I know, you could do an armed robbery 
and get 10. Yeah. Or you could be serving up and get 20. But if you're a paedophile, you might get three years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, how's that work? Well, well, if you get caught at all. And then what they say, that kid is a liar. Now, in 2003, they changed the law and they brought in a thing called bad character. You used to have a thing called similar fact evidence. So an armed robber, uh, a robber, for example, could, could have done 300 robberies, right? Mm. He's in court for a robbery. They're not allowed to tell the jury what he's done. Mm. Right? Not allowed to tell him. Right, it's only after conviction or is or acquittal. So you've just acquitted a man who's actually a prolific robber, mm. you know, or you've convicted the right man because he's done loads. Anyway, they changed the law, and they brought in this this thing where you know uh, bad character, so you can actually say it now. It doesn't even have to be a conviction; it could be a suspicion; it could be anything in their history. It could be a work record, a school record, a military record, anything. You can say it, providing it's relevant. Mm. And people go, "Yeah, brilliant! That's a step forward," but it isn't. Mm. And I said, this is a cover-up tool because do you know why? Because when someone at a point in their life, they feel the strength and the fortitude to come forward and speak out, usually in their middle age, they have that epiphany. This is wrong. Look at my life. You know, they realise that all the problems they've had in their life has come down to this childhood Mm. sexual abuse. Mm. And they say no more. Right, so they report their abuser. Usually, these paedophiles live forever. Yeah. They're going on about health things. Become a paedophile, you yeah. live forever, you know. Yeah. And um, and you know, and they speak out. So the paedophile gets brought in, and then what about the victim? Yeah. Right, and what they're going to say is the victim. We're going to tell the you know members of the jury this is a man, and what what's the victim doing? Heroin. Yeah. Why is he doing heroin? Because of this. How's he funding heroin? Shoplifting. Yeah. Ah, he's a thief. What is thieving? Dishonesty. So they'll say, this is a man of dishonesty. Mm. So the moment you say that to a jury, at the beginning of a trial, what does the word dishonesty conjure up Mm. in your mind? Mm. Liar, Mm. liar, liar. And they will reiterate that time and time and time again. So straight away, the victim's called a liar. And then a lot of them are outside of the system. You know, you you talk to Anthony, you're telling him if the police come, he wants to jump out the window and run. You know, because it's still in them, you know. But it isn't their fault. It's mm. what the system has done to them, you know, so it doesn't help. And a kid in care is money. Mm. So from cradle to a grave, the system makes money out of them. Yeah. They will get £2,000 per week per, per child in a care home. Yeah. Me and you could go and buy an old building down down in the town somewhere, mm. five bedroom. We can put a kid in each room. We'll put an office, which the social services will provide, mm. and they'll probably give you money to do it. And then we could be making 10 grand a week, mm. 40K a month out of them kids do we have to look after them no we don't yeah they can be picked up picked up by the pimps and all that and off they go and you ain't going to see child prostitution you you don't see it you don't hear it and no one talks about it and and why our our system whenever you get all these criminals and all that you you break them down it all comes from abuse it all does it's so simple They don't fund it, they don't invest in it, and anyone who does something about it, like you'll, you'll find when you talk to us whistleblowers, bang, we're crushed. And and even there, there was a limit to how far I went. So I've had on two occasions the intelligence services tell me, John, back, 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 back off, back, yeah. off, back off. You know, and I have to because I'll die. Yeah. And that's been reiterated twice by a cabinet minister. You know, you die. And I don't want to die. Yeah. You know, I don't think it's their choice that I die, I think it's God's choice, but You've got to be clever, you know. John, this has been absolutely fascinating. Yeah. I'm literally blown away by all of this. And I'm really glad you're bringing this out and talking on podcasts and talking on YouTube to actually let everyone know about this. I don't know nothing yeah. about this. Yeah. I think the average man on the street wouldn't know 
much about no, this. No, you kind don't. of hear it, and then it's sort they of like yeah. thrown under the ground again. But but but, that, but where that, can where can people find you, John? Yeah, well, I did have a website, but I couldn't be bothered to pay the um, the fee last year, <laughs> so it's gone down now. But I've started up this campaign, so you you, you just Google me, J O N Wedge W E D G E R. There there it used to be under the John Wedger Foundation at gmail.com yeah. gmail. you can email me that way I on the way down here I was speaking to a, a counsellor got in touch with me about someone they've got and who's suffering terrible can they get you on Instagram can they get you on yeah, LinkedIn on, or Facebook uh, yeah LinkedIn uh, I'm on Instagram I'm on Facebook um, you know I, YouTube I'm on there I've just started this little campaign over over the Christmas period it's called PSAD and it's an acronym for Pants Swimming Against Depression. Mm. So what I've been doing is I've been going in lakes and in rivers almost every single day over Christmas in the coldest day of the year in the coldest water venues around the UK. And I've been swimming in my underpants, <laughs> been filmed, and it's all to do with promoting the unparalleled benefits of cold water therapy. Mm. And really, ultimately, to prevent male suicide and female suicide. But there is the male suicide, you know, to promote that, you know, and put it forward because there's too many deaths. There's too much, you know, people that are there at the end and they don't know a way forward. And what you're saying is cold water swimming makes you feel good, makes your mind feel good instantly for the rest of the day. It saves lives, you know. John. I've really, really enjoyed this conversation and I really thank you for coming down here and, and, and telling this. I think you're a, a very special person for what you've done and very brave. It's a pleasure. Yeah. It's an absolute pleasure. Anything that's a platform to get it out there, yeah. you know, and you don't give up. Yeah. Don't ever give up, you know, please. There's always a way. There's Sounds a- like you've been to hell and back, mate. Yeah, yeah, you, yeah. you You've can't. been the lowest of low, and look where you are now campaigning for it. I think it's wonderful. Yeah. It's fantastic, mate. Yeah, you can't beat the system, but, you know, just don't give up. John, God you're bless. A, you're a superstar, mate. God bless. Yeah, us. good Cheers. man. Thank you, mate. Thanks for coming down. No good man. Yeah.